Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Uh, a few days after Mitch died, I was walking through the yard and I saw our neighbor, who was a very good friend of Mitch's, Bob, and he saw me coming through the gate and he said, I am so sorry for your loss. And I knew that he needed to feel that loss too and to share it and I wanted to help him. And he put his arms around me, cradled me, and his brace tightened. Finally, here was somebody, somebody who truly cared. And then I felt something else, something huge. Okay, okay, let's just say it, let's just say it. A podcast! Wow, good job. Thank you. Replace the word boner with podcast. Yep. Yep. It's what this show's been building to for the last year and a half. A huge boner. A huge boner. Hello, everybody. My name is Griffin Claude Beresford Dauphin Newman. I'm David Sims. David L. Sims. Yes, David Lawrence Sims. Hey now. Hey now. Uh, we're the two friends. Hashtag it if you want. <laughs> we're two friends who host a podcast. Uh, <laughs> and this podcast is called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Do you smell that? A colon? There's a colon <laughs> at the end of the name of our podcast. I don't like to smell colons, personally. Oh. And you must not have a lot to talk about with dogs. And let's just keep going. Get that joke? Yep, I do. That was kind of the joke I was making. You just expanded on it. I plussed it. Yeah. Uh, I yes-handed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason they call me Yes Andrew. <laughs> Don't do that. Let's 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 start over. This is the worst. <laughs> okay, you want to start over? No, it's okay. We okay. can keep going. A few days after Mitch died, I was <laughs> walking through the yard, no, and no, I saw no, 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 no. a podcast. Right. This is a podcast called We Pot a Cast. We're talking about the movies of Cameron Crowe. It's a miniseries within a larger franchise. Yeah, whatever. And we're- <laughs> Think of this as our American Horror Story Hotel. Yeah, exactly. It's about as bad and disorienting. And it's mostly set in a hotel. And Lady Gaga is in it. Yeah. And uh, she's not in it. Um, in the podcast. She's in that show. Yeah. Um, She's in our hearts and minds, though. It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded. Yeah. Griffin's been tweeting up a sad storm on the Twitters. I mean, look, I don't want to brag, but I have cried myself to sleep almost every night since we last recorded. <laughs> uh, I had a lovely vacation. We're oh, both, great. So we're both shaking the rust off. Congratulations. Yeah. And we decided to do that with a discussion of the film Elizabethtown. Yeah, so the, our last... Whole, yeah, 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 yeah. So we we were banking up our episodes yeah, for a while, yeah, sure, but there was sure. also a bit of a, a jumble. This is what you call inside baseball. There's a bit of a jumble in the order. Okay. They weren't they weren't recorded consecutively. No. So you'll hear them straight through. But this is uh, this is our first time recording in like yeah. three weeks. Yeah, yeah, about. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm sad in certain episodes you've listened to and not other ones because of the order they're released in. But uh, breaking news, very much sad right now. Um, Sorry. Hey, apology. What accepted. if any time something really bad happened to someone, like you know, a relative died, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just went sorry. That was my reaction. It, I mean, look, that would fit into the film Elizabeth Town, yeah. a film about people having weird, <laughs> unrealistic reactions <laughs> to grief. Yep. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, Elizabeth Town. So, Elizabeth Town. We're going to talk about Elizabeth Town. It is Cameron Crowe's uh, sixth movie, seventh if you count the Gap ad. Oh yeah, right. So in our yes, I think for in us, our chronology, it's yeah. his seventh movie. Yeah, uh, keep setting it up. I'm just going to eat a bagel because I'm feeling nostalgic for the early days. Of we the talked podcast. for 45 minutes before we started this podcast. I'm Griffin trying, I'm and, trying to make and this podcast producer Ben again. and I, and. Uh, then the minute we start recording, he opens his fucking bagel in the middle of the studio. So I'm trying to make a podcast great again. Oh my god! Uh, so uh, Elizabeth Town, it's uh, Cameron Crowe's seventh film. Before Elizabeth Town, all his movies had done well. You know, maybe Singles and Say Anything were not big hits, but they weren't that. You know, all his movies did great. And Vanilla Sky was not a huge critical success, but made a lot of money. Made a lot of money, whereas uh, Almost Famous didn't make a lot of money, but it won him an Oscar, and it became very, you know, very well-loved and all that. So, you know, Cameron Crowe, good run. He had his, a good run. All of his films, up until this point, were very successful in one way or another. Yes. If not both. If not both. And this film, a film that is obsessed with the idea of career-ruining failure, as the film points out, fiascos, Yeah, was his first fiasco in his career. And yet not the last. No. But this was a film that felt like a fiasco even before it came out. It was a film that had a major recasting into, like a couple weeks into filming. I think like a week before filming Okay, fine. They hadn't started yet, but they were 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 deep in rehearsals. Yeah. 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 And they'd cast everyone else around Ashton Kutcher. Uh, That's right. And then they decided that Ashton Kutcher and Kirsten Dunst had no chemistry. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Uh, so they recast him with Orlando Bloom. Um, I I want to just establish this right now because I think this no, it is, is two thousand and five. Be... I know so Orlando Bloom is a name. Can we point out his run of films up until this point? Uh, Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. You've been in Black Hawk Down, my friend. Black, Hawk down. Black Hawk down. I'm not forgetting. I wasn't going chronological order. Mm, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, mm-hmm. Black Hawk Down, Troy. And Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Sure. Hollywood was looking at this guy like, maybe maybe he's just got... And Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven came out right before Elizabethtown. I'm talking about the films that were leading into him being cast. All right, whatever. Because Kingdom of Heaven... Oh, what about the Gap commercial? And the Gap commercial. Your face is red right now because you forgot the Gap commercial. Hey, look. I'm Scarlet with embarrassment. And there's someone else. No, no, no. No, so keep going. He'd also been in like... Troy, he'd been in Troy. You don't want me to talk about that red faced bastard? Yeah, all, right, all right, you can talk about it. But Troy, you forgot Troy. I was not forgetting Troy. You derailed me. No, you you, you were done. You I were was done. not done. Check the tape. Anyway. Troy. He had not whiffed not up until that point. Right, commercial. but also he'd never been the lead of a movie. He'd just been in movies. But here's the thing about the film industry. Right. It's very dumb. Well, and also, he's very handsome. He's a handsome boy. But I remember that even at the time, even when he got this role, the vibe was like, oh, Orlando Bloom? Like, he might be just the flavor of the month. So like, here's what I remember the vibe being. Yeah. I remember it being, I guess this is, if he's going to prove, sure, he's right. actually this got it. this is the moment. Like, right. at this point, he just maybe got lucky. Well, no, okay, beyond that. Okay, he was in the Lord of the Rings movies in which his character did some cool stuff with a bow and arrow. Yes. And like certainly had his fans. Mm-hmm. But it's not like anyone was out there saying like one of the best performances in those movies is Orlando Bloom. I will say he was my favorite character in Lord of the Rings. 
Really? And I was like, I want to see Orlando Bloom in more movies. Well, you're crazy. But yeah. I, there were some people like you. There must have been. And then he was in Pirates of the Caribbean and was, I would say, an active drag on the film's quality. Um, Anytime yeah. they cut to him or his story is invoked, your my reaction, and I think some people's reaction is, oh, get on with it. We don't care. Move along. Like, Keira Knightley is pretty charming and winning in those movies. Pretty delightful movies. in those films, And I she's think, yeah. his, you know, yeah. his romantic uh, interest in that movie. But Orlando Bloom with his, like, daddy issues and, like, he's a sword maker. Who cares? Nobody cares. And yet he is the one they brought back for POTC 5 and not Miss Knightley. Well, wasn't, didn't she just say no? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? He'll do anything at this yeah, point. Yeah, I just thought at that point, like the whole, the <laughs> third one ends with them being like, we're going to leave behind the pirating life and be in love forever. No, the third one ends with oh, him wait, abandoned wait, on an island, you I'm wacko. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The third one ends with him returning home to her. Yeah, but you can only see each other once every 10 years. I thought the end was he's back for good after being gone for 10 years. I thought that's what the ending but was. But they can only see each other every 10 years. I, I don't thought. know. She has to go to his island every 10 years. Oh, right. Yeah. No, remember, he's abandoned forever. I remember he's had his heart ripped out, right? Literally, yeah, he's, got he's like the a new big... David. Look, one day we'll do our our big Gore Verbinski marathon. Uh, uh you know, go pod Verbincast. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> wow, so derailed so also, early. P- Podrits of the Castabian. Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Got to yeah. do it now. Um, um. Anyway, so uh, yeah, do the Ben names. Hold on one second. No, just do him. My point was, he had this sort of heat. Hollywood is stupid. They're usually yeah. not good at analyzing why people like things or respond to things. So they just went, this guy's sure in a lot of movies that people like. He's a big name now. Girls got him hanging up in their lockers. Literally, girls would abduct him and hang him up in their lockers. Sure. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah. What's interesting is not that, that they would make that decision. That's a logical enough mm-hmm. weird, dumb Hollywood... It's more that Cameron Crowe would buy into it. He had been a pretty good caster. Now, I don't mean podcaster, because podcast didn't exist yet. I mean caster of actors. No, it didn't. And now that you brought this up, I mean, it's important for me to bring up the man who invented podcasts. Um, Oh, yeah, go ahead. He's the producer of this show. Uh Uh-huh. You really were struggling there. I could say he's the producer of this show. He's the Ben Deucer, you know? I mean, he's the Poet Laureate. He's the Haas. He's the fuck master. <laughs> Birthday Benny. It's Mr. Positive. Do not call him Professor Crispy. Sure. Do wish him a hello, Fennel. If you want. Yeah. I mean, if you see him. Keep your eyes open for his eyes, because he's peeping. Always. He's been known to peep. He, he'll peep. He is the peeper. Uh, he's our finest film critic. Yep. That is known. Definitively. Uh, he's the Haas, mm. and, uh, you know, he's come a long way since starting with us on this podcast. I mean, he's, you know. Do you think, like, people just, like, press, like, the plus 45 seconds mark when you start this? I think they rewind once I'm done, and they go back to the beginning, just, and they listen to it again. Yeah, you're probably right. And they slow it down. So his names are, like, uh, you know, um, uh, Kylo Ben and uh, producer, producer Ben Kenobi, ben Kenobi and, and Ben Sate and Ben, ben Night Shyamalan and Ben Sate, yeah. And, uh, and wh- what's his new Cameron Crow name, or have we not decided yet? Uh, the, the two that have been Benny Lane out, is Benny Lane, is brewing. and then and then uh, you had me at Hello Fennel is more of a sentence. Sure, no, I like Benny Lane though. That's yeah, Benny great. Lane's pretty good, but like, you know it's not official yet. We still got it's a couple official. movies to go. Uh, but, but, it's but, not officialist town. Uh, hey, hey now, uh, twenty-seven comedy points. Uh, ben Hosley, ladies and gentlemen. 
Hey, guys. <laughs> How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing good. Yeah. So you're not feeling like strapping a butcher knife to an exercise bike and stabbing yourself in the chest with it? No. Good. No, I'm, I'm summertime. Went to the beach a bunch. Has anyone ever? I've been to. I went to the beach last weekend too. Where'd you go? Which beach? Fort Tilden. Uh, very nice. I went there. Hey, Griffin filmed a movie called that. Yeah. With a scene set there. Did they film at Fort Tilden, or was it at a different beach? I believe it was at a different beach. Yeah. Well, some movie magic for you. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Robert Moses Beach. Yes, go on. Yeah, I mean, the only way for you to know is to rent that film on Amazon. Amazon Video, my could, favorite video provider, a great company. You could also rent it on iTunes. Or hey, other video man, providers. Man, don't fuck with that. There's actually a bunch of uh, UCB people in the in the film, and uh, I don't know if you guys know, there's a UCB comedy podcast network. <laughs> Wait a second, <laughs> That's with true, a there bunch is. of UCB performers. Are you fucking kidding me? What kind of what kind of podcast, Ben? Oh well, uh, hey, you interested in long form improv? Because we got a show called UCB Long Form Conversations. Oh well, I, I was about to say I'm not lis- interested in listening to someone talk about it for a little bit, but as long as the conversations are as long as the improv shows, I'm down, baby. Perfect. Down to clown. Hey, let's say uh, I don't know. You like sex relationships? A little hey. Menage a Trois Radio with Murph and Diane. I don't. I don't want to talk about sex. I'm really. You know, what, honestly though, let's just get to the film. Let's get to the film. Okay. So what I find interesting about the Orlando Bloom phenomenon. Sure is that uh, he was in all these successive uh, big hits. Big blockbusters. Never the star, but no. certainly a cog. He was always a big part, a central character. Not in Black Hawk Down. In Black Hawk Down, he he's just the Black Hawk. It. Well, no, it's the helicopter. I, I mean, he's the guy who goes down. No, he falls out of a helicopter. Right. No, but it's the helicopter that goes down, and he's actually not involved. They get him. It's these two other guys that go. His name was Sergeant Black Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> His same was Blackburn. Hey, oh, oh, come on. PFC Blackburn. Yeah. yeah. He, but that was pre, I think he may have made that pre Lord of the Rings, didn't he? Or maybe he uh, made it after shooting Lord of the Rings. But uh, yes, I believe. Came out at the same time. And he's he's actually pretty good in it because it's five minutes. He is so. pretty charming in it. Yeah. Um, and of course, he's, yeah, he was in Lord of the Rings. But outside that film, the other films, that that is a small role. The other films, he has larger roles, but it, they're all like very heightened period pieces. Yes. Like, he becomes very big, but doing this sort of modern-day Errol Flynn no, thing not to even period. Fantasy pieces. Well, Troy. Troy is, quote-unquote, a period piece. Okay. Like, in that, like, the Peloponnesian War happened in some form or another, but it's basically fantasy. He did, you know, he did fantasy films set in the past. Yeah, absolutely. So he's speaking in, like, a heightened form of English. Yes. They're in f- an English accent. Yup. Note. Yup. Huge. God, he's awful in Troy. And those parts mostly ask him to be physical, which let's say this, he's a very good physical actor. If we learned anything from Denim Invasion, he's a good physical actor. I forgot that we talked about Denim Invasion a bunch. That was a while back, so I forgot yeah. about that. But yes, of course, Denim Invasion, very physical actor. Um, Not just like- I think he's all right as Legolas. I think that he's- I went really high on that opinion. Eh. Um, <laughs> uh, as Legolas, he's, you know, obviously supposed to be kind of a a- impassive sort of I don't know dweeb I don't know how you put like elves in the in those movies are such hoity-toity jerks and he's like decent as a hoity-toity jerk and I remember in Fellowship of the Ring when Gandalf dies he's pretty good at the sort of like elf spoiler alert well he comes back double wait what (laughs) um He's good at this sort of elf reaction, which is kind of no reaction, but he just seems a little lost. You know, I remember I remember thinking, like, okay, he's okay. Well, what I mean, he's a good physical actor. I mean, look, dude obviously looks great, right? And he holds the camera well. 
But there is something to the fact he's that very handsome. Yeah. He always was playing these kind of stoic, emotionally yeah. reserved kind of swashbuckler guys. Except in Troy, in which he literally plays like a a douchebag. Yeah, he's not great at it. I no, but it's also I mean that film isn't very behavioral or good. Agreed. It's not very good. It was this weird phenomenon. At least of, the other movies were good. It was a very weird phenomenon of someone who had been in like six consecutive costume huge movies. films. Yeah, yeah. And was an integral part in all of them to one degree or another, and people didn't really have any idea whether or not he could actually act. Mm-hmm. But he was certainly being pushed on us, and he was in, you know, de- he was in jeans commercials, and he was swooning around town. The and, ladies loved know, him. He was dating Kate Bosworth. Kate Bosworth. Kate Bosworth herself. Uh, Ashton Kutcher, who was also sort of a you know flavor du jour at the time. This is like a year into Punk's run, and I remember after. Punk, there was this thing of like he had maybe just left that '70s show. Is that right? I believe so. Right, like he, around then is when he leaves that '70s show. Because like while he was on that '70s show, he did like you know, okay, dude, where's my car and stuff. And then with sure. Punk, weirdly, everyone was like, wait, is he a serious actor? Which is and I remember stupid. him being thrown around for a bunch of stuff, and it was Punk'd. like, well, we you liked know, him on Punk for the opposite. People complain about culture today and like what's going on in culture, but there was a time when Punk was much watch, must watch yeah. TV. Yeah, Punk. Remember when Ashton Kutcher was like the first celebrity on Twitter, so everybody followed Ashton Kutcher? Yeah. Yeah, thank God that's not true anymore. But it's weird that Punk made him so big when he was not the guy like doing the punks, when his role is like doing the introductions and Yeah, but he was so sexy because his like baseball cap was sideways and he like hadn't shaved. All that shit, but he just like blew up suddenly, right? After being like a guy suddenly became like everyone being like it was the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Where sure. they looked at something he they was very successful and month. popular in doing, and went like, "Can we apply him to other things?" Uh, they fire Ashton Kutcher, and they hire Orlando <sighs> Bloom, who he had worked with in Denim Invasion. Now let's True. let's just wait on punked. No, on this movie. Oh, okay. although I do think Orlando Bloom was punked. He must have been by this movie. You mean yes, <laughs> or you mean he was in the show punked? Both. Um. This is, to my eyes, I cannot think of a more uh, catastrophic lead performance in a film. Yeah, he is horrendous in the film. Uh, Um, The film is not just bad because of him, but if the film was beautifully written and acted around him and well made around him, it would still be bad if he, you know, was the same. I think if you There is a horrible, like, sucking sound anytime he's on screen. uh, I'm going to throw out a very controversial opinion. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't hate this movie. Sure. That's not that controversial. Some people sort of defend this movie. I don't know if I can go as far as I just as read an article by my, my, my internet pal Amos Barshad, who used to work mm-hmm. at Grantland, and I remember he had written a movie in honor of, the, uh, an article in honor of this film's 10th anniversary that was sort of like a, a quasi-defense, you know. Our, my pal Joanna Robinson, we were tweeting with her just this morning, says she kind of likes this movie. She said she liked it for Kirsten Dunst and the soundtrack, though. Uh, I, I know a friend of the podcast, Sophie Peralt, also is a big fan. I She's a big fan of this movie? I believe so. I don't want to misquote her, sure. but I, I know she was nervous about us doing this episode. Oh, sorry, um, Sophie. I uh, had never seen the film before. It was the only Cameron Crowe film I hadn't seen yeah, going into this miniseries. Yeah. Uh, I was scared to watch it. Because uh-huh. I uh, do really love Cameron Crowe oh, as yeah. a sad white boy, you know. I don't. That's the thing. As much yeah. as I worship at the ground of Jerry Maguire, I have and no say particular... anything you love too. Oh, yeah. I, I like a lot of his movies, but yeah. I don't have any. It's Cameron Crowe to me is not for some reason what I like put my flag on. Like when he started sucking, I was just like, oh, he must suck. 
like you must suck now. Yeah, I'm someone who still like waits. You, you know, want him to by the chimney, going like Cameron's going to come back with a bag of toys. There really is that feeling every time he makes a new thing. People Anything. are like, "Is this yeah. it? Is this yeah. it? Is this it?" Um, but uh, I had always been afraid to watch it because people are quite scathing. The people who hate this movie, and they are the vast majority of human beings who have ever seen this movie, <laughs> yes, uh, hate it violently. Yeah, they right? really don't like it. And I'm I, with them. And I kept on being like, I don't understand how it could be that disastrous. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do know what you're saying, because when you hear the plot of the movie, it's like, like, oh, you know, it's kind of Jerry Maguire-y. It's like, oh, a guy is down on his luck after, like, his professional life tanks. Yeah. His dad dies. He goes to this, like, cutesy town where the dad's from, has some little uh, cutesy town adventures, meets a cutesy girl. They have a cutesy romance, and then the problem solved. I right? feel like, like yes. but, but, and then Susan Sarandon is there. Sarandon, 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 a uh, friend of the show. Uh, I believe that um, I find usually the movies that people get like enraged about. Yeah, um, I'm enraged about this movie. Just to be clear. Well, yeah, but I'm saying I always would hear that people were enraged about this movie, and it would be very hard for me to imagine that because I go, well, just looking at what the film is, it feels like the worst case scenario of this movie is just kind of glib and inert. It doesn't feel like something you could get angry about. Yeah, but no. This this movie is is Cameron Crowe like going wrong. It's like Cameron Crowe having like a stroke or something while he's writing it. And also calling his own shot. I mean, making a movie about a guy God. destroyed by failure. Sure. That is the failure that he Yeah. I'm not giving him credit for no, that. No, I'm not. I just think you shouldn't because he made Jerry Maguire, which I think you it's know, fascinating thing. that he made a movie this obsessed with failure before he had experienced it and the movie itself created he, the failure. Uh, Again, he'd already made that movie. It's Jerry Maguire. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yes. I don't know why he made this movie. This isn't right. So apparently, you know, apparently, like Almost Famous, this is a semi autobiographical film. Uh huh. His dad had died. And like, I don't know much more than that, but he had some sort of like emotional experiences that he related into right. this screenplay. Cameron Crowe lost a billion dollars on a shoe. Spasmotica. But that's that's the difference between how this film approaches failure and Jerry Maguire, <coughs> excuse me, approaches failure is that Jerry Maguire is like a guy who is disillusioned by what he sees around him and wants to figure out how to be a more substantial person doing more important things in the world. This film is about someone who's put themselves on the line, put their heart and soul into everything and was roundly rejected by everyone and experiences the entire fallout of that. And it feels like a movie made by someone who is like grieving, you know, and like trying to lick their wounds, but he hadn't experienced that yet. Unless well, this film is a reaction reason, to Vanilla Sky? Maybe, I guess. But that's one reason the film's uh, depiction of professional uh, grief makes no sense. Uh, you don't feel the impact at all when he's going to kill himself by strapping a knife to a bike. That doesn't feel earned. I think a lot of that's on performance, too. I'm not yeah. saying the script is doing real heavy lifting, but it's I think doing no lifting because it gives him no lines. I don't think there is one moment in this film where Orlando Bloom convinces emotes. me. Yes, <laughs> emotes. Yes, where he emotes. Yes. Oh well, maybe when he's crying in the car at the end. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. But uh, that's it. No, that's fine. You're saying, oh, the script isn't like totally to blame. Orlando Bloom could have maybe been crying when he was going to kill himself with a bike strapped to an exercise. How is it even going to work? A knife strapped to an exercise bike. Is he going to keep pedaling and it's going to, like, repeatedly stab him? That was the idea. Ben, do you want to say your name for the bike? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I think it would be funny if we called it a suicide. A hundred comedy points. Yep. 
And he did. made that joke earlier, and I laughed like a, a an English king. I think the right actor in this role, four comedy points for the English king. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, right actor. I think the Who's right, the right actor, actor. Well, I was trying to figure this out last night, okay? Because Kutcher and uh, Orlando Bloom are a year apart in age. So I looked at other actors in Around that them. age range, yeah. and um, anyone who I saw born in either of those years who I thought could have pulled off the role uh, was not well known at that point in time. Their career didn't start until after. You could make him a couple years older. Um, Bloom was probably, what, like 28? Yeah. 27, 28 years old? Uh, I think uh, uh, Joe Robinson threw out that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was up for the film. Yeah, Joe point. Robinson mentioned Jake Gyllenhaal. He would have been good. I think uh, he would have been good. Maybe. You know. uh, he at I, least can act. He decided to make Brokeback Mountain this year instead. Good choice. Good call. I mean, I don't think he got the role, but I'm just saying, yeah. like, you know, he made Brokeback Mountain in 2005, yeah. got an Oscar nomination. It yeah. was a good performance. Um, I think Tobey Maguire could have done it. No. You don't? No. Uh, I think Tobey Maguire is not suited to roles in which he has to play a regular person. Interesting. Yeah. But I don't think this character is a regular person. I think the What problem- is this character? Well- Do tell- I, he's supposed to be regular. He's supposed to be like a you know successful guy who then like it all went crashing down. Yeah, but he's aggressively miserable. I mean, that's a, you never see him before it comes crashing down. So what you need to play is someone who cannot function anymore. Also, how old is he? Twenty seven, twenty eight, late twenties, maybe. It's so unclear. It is it's like he's some whiz kid that's really good at yeah. making shoes. Yeah. They don't. What? Well, okay. So the other thing is, all right, just like so, the movie's two hours long, which and it feels long. Um. It was screened at Toronto, and I think it was like two and a half hours long. I believe so. And it was essentially booed, you know, like, you know, yeah. it was roundly reviled. Uh, and, you know, a movie, when it screens at Toronto, that's 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 in preparation often for like an Oscar run. That's like your big fall festival. The film was only like two months out from release if at that, that point. A month and a half. And yeah. so they took the scissors to it, and they cut it down to this. I don't know that the other cut is better. I'm, my guess is it's worse. The last thing this movie needs is to be longer. What this movie needs is to not exist. But uh, that's maybe we're losing. I'm just saying maybe we're losing some story there. You know, some some sort of background. I don't know. I feel the loss in subplots. I feel like how underserved a lot of the supporting characters are in the film. You know? The cut that exists is really just primarily about his relationship with Pearson Dunst and him coming to terms with his father's death. Yeah, and and, it, the, and a lot of wacky Kentucky shit. It loses a lot of the mom, the, of the rest of the family. And that, I feel that all like, feels it like feels it's like Paul Schneider should have had more in this movie. It feels like there's a big... I, I love Paul Schneider. Yeah. I think he's a wonderful, tremendous actor. I agree. But thank God he's not in more of this movie. I, it feels like, what is this movie? I'm just, sorry, as we're talking about it, like scenes are flooding back into my brain. Because my brain, I think, had already started to compartmentalize and get rid of it. Like, you don't need this in your memory palace. Get can it we, out. Can we, I just, I want to focus on the two performances before we get to the, talk about the film. Because the film doesn't much of a plot, and most of this film... Right. Is about the two. I've been listening to. I just want to say, I've been listening yeah. to our episodes back. Yeah, and almost every episode, you'll say, "I know we usually go through the plot sequentially, but this is the kind of movie where that doesn't really work." Every single time, it's hilarious. Great. Every time you have some reason why we can't go through, wait, we wait, always wait, go. Wait. Real That's quick. my catchphrase. Put it on a t-shirt. Real quick, real quick. I just have. I got a gripe. Okay. Uh, shoot. I figured it out. It took me up until this movie. 
I think I had even kind of sort of referenced it in Jerry Maguire. I know what bothers me about all of Cameron Crowe's movies. Oh, wow. They're all set from the perspective of an upper middle class white person. Correct. And I am sick of it. By the time I got to this movie, I'm just like, oh, his shoe fucking job (laughs) isn't working out. Fuck you, man. I'll say this. Oh, God. And I'm glad we're talking about this now. I thought- uh, Uh, Your zoo deal was not as (laughs) profitable as you thought? (laughs) Acquiring a zoo? (laughs) Oh, boo-hoo. Oh, you're an escrow on the zoo? (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Uh- I, you I, don't want to cast any Hawaiian people? <laughs> well, sorry. Oh, boo-hoo, space is being militarized. And my, That's the thing. Aloha is the same fucking thing. His career's been disgraced, too. Yeah. It, it all opens on it's like, he was a hotshot, and then something happened, and he was disgraced. And in Jerry Maguire, at least, it's like, he had a moment of self-doubt. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Whereas in Elizabethtown, it's he literally designed the stupidest fucking looking shoe anyone in the world has ever seen. It had like a plastic hood over it. What's the shoe called? Spasmodica. <laughs> and like this is the thing. The the movie acts like it he fucked up on the shoe. No one else looked at this shoe. Well, like there, someone might not have been like Spasmodica might not be the name for the sneaker. There's the, like, that's that, not a that's great what, name. That's what sunk him. <laughs> at least four hundred million dollars is blamed on the name. Look at this shoe. Lift off. It looks like a stingray, kind of. Yeah. They also they talk about how it's like I think it was supposed to be a revolution in terms of like design of a shoe, but also well, there's the moment where he's holding up the little toy stingray. Yeah, you see him. To- yeah, you know, it's true. Right. I forgot about that. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all eight, rapid. Eight years. But, like, form and function. Because they, they say, like, we're new technology, we're going to make it feel like you're walking on a cloud. Yeah. But they use, like, new materials. But 365 much. days in a year, eight years he worked on this shoe. What? Wait, really? He worked on this shoe for eight years? That's what it says in the movie. He I, got a scholarship. Or the, he, yeah, yeah, he was, it was like out the, of college. Yeah, yeah. Right. Recruited from, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's the part where they open up the magazine at the end of the film, and there's the quote from him that's, you know, they Photoshop him sitting on a bomb that's dropping. Yeah. And it goes, like, they really just gave me free reign to do whatever I wanted. Right. So I think the idea is that no one checked in because he was such a wonderkin. Okay, that's fine, but he was such a wonderkin that he got a billion bucks to spend on a shoe? Like, someone surely approved the spending. But don't you find <laughs> a it- A billion dollars?! Don't you find it fascinating, and I'm not citing this as a reason why the film is more interesting- don't you find saying, it fascinating that, like, this is his fucking spadotica or whatever? Yeah, I mean... But like, it, this is someone giving him $70 million and being like, hands off, you're Cameron Crowe, you know what you're doing. It's, it's almost fil- like he got a blank check. Yeah. <laughs> the, film, the film's budget was $45 million. Just really? Just put that out there. Yep. I thought it was much higher. Okay. Uh, Orlando Bloom probably didn't make much money. Like, the actors were not expensive. Yeah, but the last 20 minutes of the film are a road trip where they had to shoot in, like, 12 yeah. different states. Yeah, sure, but... yeah. Yeah, I don't think they shot in 12 different states. I don't know. Some of those scenes are inside. I don't know. All right, Um, all right. Come on, lock the gates. Let's get in. Lock lock the gates. Lock the gates. Oh, God, it feels good to say lock the gates. (laughs) What the Um, fuck is wrong with me? (laughs) Mark Maron would have been great. uh, It is as the the lead of Elizabethtown. Honestly, he's probably about the right age in 2005. He's maybe a little older. He's probably in his early 30s. Uh, Mark Maron is now- Mark Maron is a suicidal businessman. Yeah. Who is freaked out by Southerners. Yeah. He'd be great. He, I believe is- Go on, go on. Uh, I believe he's 13 years older than Orlando Bloom. If not more. 
you know, because of that interview where someone asked him, how old are you? And he's like, ah, I'm 13 years old in Orlando Bloom. Yeah, I'm doing the math in my head because I looked up Orlando's uh, Bloom's uh, age Orlando's last Orlando's Bloom date? I looked up the date he bloomed, <laughs> and Mark Maron mentions his age a lot. How old is Mark Maron? I believe he's 51. Yeah, okay. So he, and Orlando yeah, Bloom right, is like right. 37. He's too old. He's too old. He's yeah. too old. Okay. Um, here's the guy too who- Too bad. Here's the guy who'd be my number one pick. And unfortunately, although he was an established actor, he was not in the place in his career where they would have done this. He is older as well. Who? But always, you know, drinking from that fountain of youth could have pulled it off. Rudd? Yep. Yeah, yeah. He'd probably be pretty good. Um, He'd probably be pretty good. Here's- Rudd struggles, I would say, with bland material. And this film is somewhat... I don't, I don't know if anyone could... I mean... I think someone could make the this, film 10% this film 10% better, so which would mean the film is still... It would be 10%, at 10%. It would be a 10%. I'd give it like 40. No. No. I would give it zero. Zero. With, with a good performance at lead, I'd give it like 40%. Zero. Out of what, you asked? A million. Okay. Out of the, a billion. Well, look. Out of 900 and however many, $972 million. I think... It uh, gets zero dollars. Cameron Crowe is, you know, not plot heavy. He writes these no. films that are very character-based. And are really this film is not character based though. That's the problem. In theory, right, right, right. In right? theory, yes, yes. But but he writes these films that are uh, like meant to be carried by a movie star, someone who's got a deft touch and is sort of very behavioral and charismatic and offhand. Mm. And like Orlando Bloom cannot do any of that. Let's talk about the biggest problem in this film. Uh, his American accent in this film. Oh boy, it is a nightmare. Here's how I would describe it. Oh. Her accent's bad too. P.S. Yeah, she commits to it less, which weirdly makes it better. I She's playing it really hard the first couple of scenes as tough, and then it kind of like fades away for a lot of the movie. But it's less jarring because I think her performance is actually good in a character that doesn't work. I think she's actually very good in the film. performance is horrible. I think she's good in the film. No, she's not. We'll get to this. I, I think Kirsten Dunst is a great actress, but she's bad in this film. We'll movie. get to this. I think she's good in the film. No. Orlando Bloom... I believe I would describe his accent in this film as uh, that of a talking tugboat from a Nick Jr. cartoon. Okay. You know, like, you know how, like, fucking talking vehicles on kids' shows have to, like, enunciate everything and be as, like, inoffensive and friendly as possible? Uh-huh. It's like, oh, no, the bridge is coming down. Come on, tugger. We got to sail fast. Right. That's sort of how Orlando Bloom talks in this movie. Yeah, that's a good call. Right? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing fine. all right. Look, I gotta be honest. My dad just died. Yeah, he's he's bad. It's uh. So uh, Kiki Dunst is also bad. She's bad in the film. It's not entirely her fault. It's a horrible character. It's a horrible character. Um, but I would say she's worse than Natalie Portman, who did a similar role the year before. Strongly disagree. No, I mean N- Natalie's bad too. I greatly prefer this mm-hmm. performance. No. Garden State's a much better film than this film, and I don't like Garden State. Agreed. It's weird how similar they are in a lot of ways. Yeah, but Garden State's actually well well made in a sort of way. Like, it actually has very obvious 101 film school, like, sort of visual shit, but, like, at least that's something. This movie has nothing. This movie is zero. See, I don't hate this movie as much yeah. as you do. I hate this movie. I, I There are elements of this movie I like which make it more frustrating for me. I, w- I was very aggravated watching this movie, but there are pieces that I like. It maybe speaks to my willingness to buy into the crow thing more than you are because I sure. want to believe. Yeah. You're the, the sully to my molder on the crow front, perhaps? Uh, scully, I think. Not sully. I'm not like an uh, air pilot <laughs> who landed a plane in the Hudson. 
Isn't that show about David Duchovny and a, and the monster from Monsters Inc. <laughs> investigating aliens together? I like my version better. <laughs> well, we could combine them. Someone threw out the other day. I can't remember what it was. Uh, some idea of something. Oh, here here's here's a thought I've had. Do you think there's a scene in Clint Eastwood's uh, Tom Hanks starring Sully Sullenberger biopic Sully? It's called Sully. That's so funny. I, I go on. Yeah, is there a scene that? Uh, go Do you on. think there's a scene in Sully where Sully goes to see Flight in theaters and is like, "Oh, I can nail this. I'm not even drunk." No, but that movie came out after and was so clearly based on him. Oh, was it? Okay. Oh, and he's just annoyed. It's just like, oh, he's like I guess I'm- that fucks up my chances of ever getting a biopic. It's <laughs> like fifty percent of the story's kind of been told already. Who's my John Goodman? Uh, looks like it's uh. Well, no, I mean, uh, Aaron Eckert's playing the uh, Brian uh, Garrity role. Mm. I don't know who his Goodman is. I've never seen Flight. I don't watch movies about planes crashing. Oh right, you hate planes. Yeah. Uh, that's why you like uh, uh, Say Anything, because it ends with them being in the clear. I do. I was thinking about Say Anything yeah. when I was on a plane recently. Um, uh, anyway. Kristen Dunst, I mean, here's the thing, and maybe it's, you know, like... And I really do like Kirsten Dunst, and this was, she'd just been in Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. She was just about to be in Marie Antoinette, or it just come out. I think she's giving a lot of great performances. I believe uh, Eternal... In 2004, she had Eternal Sunshine, Spider-Man 2, and Marie Antoinette. I believe those were all in the same year. Marie was in 2005? No, you're right. Marie was 2005. Yeah. You're correct. I'm sorry. I apologize. I think. I'll look it up now. I believe you're correct. I believe that was 2005. Keep talking. She's also, I think, about to be gripped by, like, terrible life circumstances. Like, yeah, she's in the... Yeah. I think she's... Yeah. She was touch and go for a while. Uh, I don't Wait, know what if What are the circumstances? I'm not familiar. She went to rehab. She's, you know, she's had some troubles yeah. with uh, substances. Oh, okay. Which is, you know, like, no know. judgment here. But uh, I think that was... There was a dip in her career for a while where she was... Taking it easy. She ah. she was laying low for a little while after this. Okay. Um, oh, Marianne Antoinette is 2006. Oh, well. Uh, and then Spider-Man 3 is 2007. And then after that is when she kind of goes off the grid she for a while. She goes for a little bit, yeah. And she comes back with all good things, which, you know, whatever. Had and, been shot much earlier. Right, right Was on the shelf right. for a long so time. So it's really she comes back with melancholy yeah. in 2011. And she's so. been throwing heat since then. Uh, yeah, totally. But, I mean, so that's the thing. It's like this is the tail end of her... Big star run, which I guess started with uh, Spider-Man, but had been sort of the groundwork had been laid. Bring it on, bring it on, crazy beautiful. These very nice little performances. Um, she uh, turned down the village as we've talked about in the past to do this Mm -hmm. film. She dropped Mm -hmm. out of the village. She was Mm -hmm. in it through pre-production, pulled out, right, uh, to do this film instead. I don't know if it's just like having a bucket of piss to drink in the middle of a Sahara, but I think like um. Can I say this is a good performance? Like, you can say whatever you want. You can say anything. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Singles. I... Vanilla Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we did that. Um, I think uh, she is at least doing the very crucial thing that Orlando Bloom is incapable of doing, which is just be kind of charming and fun and light. I think that's, I guess, what she's going for. I, I watch her in this and I go, this is pretty good. Like, you are a movie star. Like, you know. No. I watch her in this and I'm like, I want to move to a place where there are no people. I, well, but I think that's the character. What? She makes me want to rip my skin off? I think as written. <laughs> I don't what think, kind of defense is that? I don't think anyone could play it in a way where you would appreciate the performance. 
that they're different. That's probably true. Right. That's t- what I'm it would saying. be tough to make this character likable. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, here's Kiki Dunst is who they gave me. That's who I got. Uh, I didn't like it. Yeah. I think she's better than Orlando Bloom. Yeah. yeah. But, you know. So, so here's the weird thing of this movie is that uh, Orlando Bloom's like not a character at all, right? He's just a guy who's sad. As an actor, you're essentially being given one task, which is uh, show in the way you carry yourself, the look in your eyes, all these things, that you are a man really questioning your desire to live another to, day. To live. Right. Yeah. But also because it's romantic comedy, find mm. a way to still be engaging, to be romantic, to be all of this, while carrying those two things, right? Right. It's something I think like someone like Rudd can do. Rudd might have been good. But, you know, I do think of Rudd and How Do You Know? Which I feel like is is a sort similar of film to this. Similar DNA to this movie It's a much better performance of a very similar type of character. It's certainly a better performance by Miles. Yes, um, but you know it's not like Rudd's best performance. No, Rudd's best yeah. performances are in good movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know that's the thing. It's like like work. That's what I'm saying. We're sort of crap shooting around. It's like yeah. I mean, people could have been better than Orlando Bloom, but I don't know if anyone would have really been I think, you know, I mean, good. It w- yeah. it, it, it would have fixed a one of the essential problems of this film. Orlando Bloom? It, to have someone who right. is able no, was to actually, He's one of the essential yes, problems. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, but his character is all this, like, feeling and the sort of backstory of his family. I guess. The failure, the shoe, but he has no personality. No. Well, this is the thing. The film... All right, so... I'm gonna. Kirsten Dunst is the inverse of I'm that. Start on the she's plot. all like affectation, and she has no actual character. No character. But she's, she's got like no inner life for him. He's like just inner life, and he has no outer life. She and she's no all inner outer life. life. She's just there for him. But you know what I'm saying? They're each half a character. They're each half of a no, shitty character. He is half a character. She is no character. There is one half of one character between the two of them. That's what's going on. I think she is no like, character. She's just a reflection of his needs and desires. Like she's. I just, think she's a box. Oh. And I think he's a he's bunch a, of. And like, is he a round room? <laughs> I, fucking movie. I think I think he's a bunch of like fucking like 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 loose loose bullshit. You know. Yeah, sure. He's just like a bag of like parts. But there's not even a bag. There's just a bunch of parts lying on the floor. Okay, so here's the plot of the film. Yeah, Drew Baylor. A hotshot shoe designer. Yeah, I don't like that name. No. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Is this the movie you hate most of all the movies we've talked about on this show? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It feels I, I like really it. hate Revenge of the Sith, but more because of like, you know, I love Star Wars and I feel like that one kind of pisses me off the most, but I don't think I hate it nearly as much as this movie. Well, betrayed, you know, the trust we had but invested after Phantom. All that, right, yeah. right. I feel like there's some Shyamalan movie that made me this angry, though. Yeah, Lady in the Water. Oh, yeah, which I <laughs> love. <laughs> but Lady in the Water was at least, like, had that kind of sort of stupefying element. It was a tough watch. Yeah. It was a tough watch. But that's what I'm saying. Like, isn't it fascinating to you that, like, if someone describes you the plot of Lady in the Water, <laughs> you go, like, yeah, I can see how that movie's a disaster. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm interested to see what that looks like. But someone describes to you like the plot of Elizabethtown, you go like, "How bad could it be?" Like worst case scenario, it's just it's just well, not it's not very effective. Someone describes the plot right? of that movie to me, and uh, my reaction is like, "Oh, I'll skip that. That doesn't sound interesting." Which is exactly what I did. You know, it was kind of like yeah. they describe like, "Ah, oh, it's like a mopey thing where his dad dies and he meets this like cute girl and like," and I was just like. And is it good? And they're like, no, it's really bad. And I was like, okay, so then forget it. Like, that just sounds boring. Yeah, I just don't want to see it because I see I like mopey movies about people coming to terms with stuff. Ugh. I think The Last Kiss was right around this point. 
Yeah, I never to saw speak that of another one. Braff movie, which yeah. I did see because I had to review it for the college newspaper. And that's one of the most heinous movies I've ever seen. And I remember, like, it's very similar. It's very similar. Upper middle class white guy has some problems. Well, this is the thing that Ben know? was getting at. Is like, uh, Cameron Crowe is maybe the whitest filmmaker of all time. Oh, boy. You know? Uh, I do. In a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, in sort of every sense. Yes. Uh, and he makes, like, you and know. this is the, 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 the top of the heap, which is funny because, yeah, no, this is the, anyway, carry on. No, I just think that, uh, you know, there's a big cultural conversation going on that are like, hey, less movies about this. Right. About, like, good-looking white guys right. who, like, have, like, come from, like, a solid background and experience some sort of, like, small failure and completely self-destruct. Sure. And go, like, woe is me for the entire film, you know? Billion dollars, though. Not good. Not good. Not, Not good. good. So, that's, let me continue with the plot. Drew yes. Baylor, hit shoe designer. Moving the mic around. Although uh, he's never designed a shoe before. It's like I they, guess. They, it There's feels like no they context. recruited him just to do this one shoe. There's no context. I do love the opening of this movie. The opening, at least, in a good move, like, you know, the opening could be good. The first like, five minutes I was like, is this well, you're at least You're interested. The opening, like, two shots are good, or the I'm truck fine. pulling up, and then they open up the gates. They unlock the gates. True. Unlock the gates! No, he didn't say that. That's, that's the opening line of the film. And then, and then they see all the boxes that are like return, and they go like, ugh. And then he goes on this speech about the difference between a failure and a fiasco. Then a fiasco right, which takes is, like ambition. Which you know? is the line that my former colleague Nathan Rabin borrowed to yes. do his My Year of Flops uh, franchise, whatever, a uh, feature. Yeah. The AV Club where he, and this is the first movie, and this is where he, you know, Manic Pixie Dream Girl, blah, yes. blah, blah, all that came from that. And yeah, this movie is a fiasco. Yeah. And that line is good where it's like the difference is a fiasco is something where it's so bad that other people are happy because it didn't happen to them. Yes. Like just to see you. Yeah. Um, and this sort of confounding sense of like, how how was this yeah, allowed how could to this happen? possibly happen? Yeah. So he, I guess, lost a billion dollars at this shoe company making a really bad shoe. Baldwin- Alec Baldwin, who's tremendous. Really good in this movie. He's, he's always good. Yeah. He's always good. But this was that weird period where he was like, hadn't come into 30 Rock yet, so no, he was just sort of Hollywood like- Hollywood had hit on him. It's like, you know what? Alec Baldwin can be fat. Why yeah. doesn't he just fat? <laughs> I'm serious. He'd yeah. already gotten his Oscar nomination, right? Because the cooler, I think, is 03. 2003. Correct. And so it was like this sort of thing where we had all remembered that Alec Baldwin's very funny and dry, has like a really like, like unique sort of- Screen presence. He'd been in like shit, like a long game Polly, but like you know, he was sort of popping up. But look, he's best when he's mean. He's best when he's mean. He's best when he's fat. Agreed. And he's a character actor. He's a character actor. And this is the thing: like you see a movie like Married to the Mob, which he has a small part in. He's hysterical. He's yeah. so funny. Yeah. And then of course, how you know Hollywood tries to you know put him in the in the big movies, and I, he's not that interesting. I think there's exactly one good conventional like leading Alec Baldwin performance. Hunt for Red October? Oh, yeah. He's alright He's alright in that. No, I was gonna argue Beetlejuice. <laughs> I wouldn't call it, that's a character performance. Well, that's me. why I think yeah. it's good. Yeah. He's the that's lead in the leading. film. He's the lead in that film. Yeah, kind of. Everyone is supporting in that film except for Winona. I think he's good in that film because he's playing a he's, dork. He's wonderful. Anytime you movie. ask him to be like the handsome, charming guy, Hunt for October is the best of those. He's all right in Hunt but there's, for October. But you look at it and you go, okay, I get why he didn't ever really click this way. I, uh, I, I like him in The Edge. Yeah. Oh, with the bear. And the beard. BJ and the bear. Yeah. 
BJ and the Beard. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. The Edge is fun because he's a dick in it. Yeah, that was the one. That's the one that what just happened is about, right? Yes, the Edge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you gentlemen been watching Match Game? No, he's uh, the host. Uh, it is a stellar I vacation. I know. I've been hearing it's great. of television. I cannot recommend it enough. Here's my favorite element of the film, of of the series rather. Uh, Alec Baldwin has just stopped pretending that he's not a miserable, mean person. <laughs> so he just is a miserable, mean person. Because even like the character actor mode, he would like be playing mean people, and then he'd like get caught saying something publicly, you know, something awful, and then he'd be like, "I'm not that person." It was yeah, a moment no, of fun. Uh, yeah. Now he's just leaning in. On Match Game, he just makes fun of like everyone answers. It goes, "That's a terrible answer. You're an idiot." Yeah, it's great. That that sounds good. It really was the cooler because before then we had around. glimpses like in State of Maine he's quite funny. Yeah. But then he's also like in Pearl Harbor and that's awful. His best performance up to that point was Glengarry Glenn Ross. He's so good in that. Right. And people would like of course be like why don't we see this guy? And, because you that's know, a character role. It's an inversion of, of what so he appears to one. be. That's another yeah. great one. Yeah. Um, and then so yeah, you know, he'd had his hot year with along came Polly and the aviator mm-hmm. like you know he was he was back. You know? Yeah. Well, the thing that okay. saved him was SNL. Uh, yeah. No, of course. It was just that... being on SNL and sweaty balls and all that and, stuff. And he would be so funny on it. People would yeah. be like, why is he so shitty the rest of the time? And of course, good on that's this. what Tina Fey taps into. And, right. And 30 Rock starts but then the in d- 05 the divorce... or 06. I can't remember. Uh, 05. 06. Uh, he gets divorced. He gets sad. He gets fat. And then yeah, well, suddenly the he gets the Ireland Baldwin phone call. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, uh, he is a great... Like, you know, great small one role scene role. performance where he is sort of calm and you're kind of hanging on this guy's words. I think it's and pretty like Bloom has yes. uh, Drew Drew has set up he's like this sort of weirdo CEO with like twos, you know, everything is in pairs. I think it's pretty directly based on Phil Knight, who's the uh CEO of Nike uh-huh. and is like an Oregon guy. Sure. And founded Leica films. Right. And pays for all those movies out of pocket because he just believes in stop motion animation because his son likes stop motion animation. I know, and the like is great. I love the, like. But the scene where Alec Baldwin is like, Alec Baldwin has this great scene where he's explaining to him how much money has been lost. Right, yes. and he's got the great line where he goes like, nearly a billion dollars. I don't know how to explain to you how much money this is. And it's clear that like he gets it, and then he gives him this right. tour of all the, uh, all like, the segments of his to business. Go, yeah. Right, and Phil Knight's kind of a guy who like sets up different right, projects right. with his money like that. Um and then he offers him up for the slaughter to uh, do this to interview. a reporter, yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's that. So And and Jessica Beale, who's his ex-girlfriend, who they've been on the outs, is like showing him around. It's clear. She has no part in this movie. No, she doesn't. But I'm just no. saying the film is setting up that he's fired. They're doing this interview. It's going to come out. And it's going to publicly shame him. I get you. And his girlfriend, you know, who already was distant, has now lost all interest in him. Yeah, so anyway, it's basically a carbon copy of Jerry Maguire, so I don't know why he did that. Uh, it's a stupid idea to do it again. And you do the opening narration as well, and you do a lot of first-person camera work where yep. it's everyone looking at him. Yep, he already did this better. Uh, I don't know, and also, he's Cameron Crowe is writing a movie about his dad dying, right, and yep. grief. But for some reason, he can't survive without this crutch of like, I'm going to make it about a guy who's on the bottom rung, then he gets knocked lower. Like... Yeah. It's, it's I would say too stupid. the main thing that confuses me is why isn't this an app? Why is it shoes? Well, it's 2000 
2004. Oh, right. I, f- I don't know. I just <laughs> I was like, what I feel hell? like every office like movie should just be about apps now. I'm confused. I, I do kind of like that it's shoes. But just... Ben, you're always obsessed with 90s technology. Yeah, they got some good flip phones in this movie. Oh, true. don't you get me oh. started. <laughs> That's true. With Remember some, you were with able some to custom par- ringtones. Yeah, man. I was. Ah, all right. We'll uh, get there. Here's a difference between. <laughs> and a fucking. There's a sue cycle. Yeah. Here's there a classic a sui- 90s technology. <laughs> But talk about the lower rung thing. Here's the difference between this character and Jerry Maguire. It's a fatal difference, okay? Yeah. Uh, this character is just given up. Yeah, sure. He's going to kill himself. And he's inert, and he just doesn't want to fight anymore. He just goes, okay, I fucked up. And it's yeah. a character who has no agency whatsoever because he just doesn't give a shit anymore. So here's the thing. And something I really hate in movies is yes. movies that try to be cute about suicide. Agreed. Because, uh, you know, it's fine to obviously explore these things, but like, there is literally nothing cuter than, oh, he's going to put a knife on a bicycle that'll <sighs> yeah. stab him to death. Yeah. Like, it, he would have to be, I mean, look, I suppose you could say, like, Orlando Bloom is playing this character like he's basically catatonic, right? He's gone through something so crazy, losing all this money for his company, getting fired and publicly humiliated, that he's, like, emotionless, right? I don't think that was a deliberate thought. I don't know if that was either. The movie tries to play it that way by keeping cutting to, like, Bloom in a new location, and he's, like, walking like a zombie, right? Like, it's trying to make him look like a zombie. I think it's just Orlando Bloom having it, a lack it, of pathos. It I think that's what it, it is. It I don't think this is what he's good at, you know? But when I'm, uh, yes. yes so, but yes. anyway, so when I'm watching a movie of right. a guy strapping a knife to a bike and, try, you know, getting ready to die. Yeah. Uh, I'm not into just him, like, you know, like, the cla- this movie has this, like, very obtrusive soundtrack, you know, music playing over the thing, and Bloom's just sort of like, doop-de-doo, yeah, okay, this'll stab me, okay, good, phone's ringing, oh, don't you hate it when your phone's ringing when your knife's about to stab you in the chest? But Why doesn't he jump off a building? There's, Anything! There's no urgency to even how miserable he is. There's no urgency. There's no, He doesn't seem emotional. And the whole movie is sort of like, ugh, what an inconvenience. Well, I can't wait to get back home and then kill myself. But it doesn't feel like he's really suffering that much. No, it doesn't. Most of the film, you're like, oh, I guess you're feeling better. So at the end of the film, when he's like, I am going to go kill myself, you're like, oh, you're still that thing still? Yeah, it, you don't believe it. No, and you don't even believe it in the moment when he's on the bicycle. No, you, you don't. So There's when, no moment where you believe it. Exactly. He so, just seems like a potato. Yeah, he's a potato. He's a hot potato. He's he is hot. a hot potato. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, game recognized game. Guy looks good in this movie. He does. And the hair is really on point. His hair looks nice. I just kept on thinking about that. So who's on the other end of the phone? It's forever the sibling on the phone, Judy Greer. I I swear to God. uh, This is like the 18th movie I've seen in which Judy Greer drops him for two scenes and is basically in the scenes like, you understand why I can't be in the rest of the movie, right? I'm just so busy with kids or something. Anyway, "Ah, I love you. Bye. You know, and you're like, why are you wasting Judy Greer? Do you know what's crazy? craziest about that to me uh this film is from 2005 tragic comedy directed by cameron crow um i remember when before this film had screened at uh toronto so disastrously it was just sort of on oscar long list it was certainly i remember people going like maybe judy greer in elizabethtown because no one had seen it and they just went like She's such a good actress. Feels like she's overdue for a breakout part. I know what you're saying, but I mean, I remember people really thought Susan Sarandon was going to get I an remember Oscar both of them being thrown out. 
And neither of them really have fucking anything to do in this movie. No. Sarandon has this one fucking monologue that is insane. It's awful. And Judy Greer has, like, less She's than nothing. 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 But I remember people being like, oh, Cameron Crowe's going to know what to do with Judy Greer. No. We all see that Judy Greer is great. Hasn't she been in a movie of his already? Is she in Vanilla Sky? Maybe for a moment. I'm trying to remember. I feel like... Well, we, she's in the village. Yes. So maybe I'm just thinking of that. Uh, she's great in adaptation. Uh, yeah. Uh, she's in for like five seconds. Adaptation? Uh, she's got like four scenes in that movie. She's the waitress. Yeah, he keeps on going back to the restaurant. I know. She's Yeah, she's good in it. She's really good in that movie. Um... I uh I just I find it fascinating that even like eleven years ago we were like when is someone gonna write a real meaty part for Judy Greer yep. and we're still fucking still waiting saying it uh yeah she's never even really gotten the right TV show I kind of like that one uh what was it mismatch that was Alicia Silverstone what was it called Miss Steak Misguided yes yeah but that that was like that was a flop. Yeah, I watched every episode though. All seven. Yeah. yeah. Chris Barnes. Yeah, no, no, I remember. Uh, I like that show. Um, I think you just like Greer. I do, but I, you know, I remember. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed watching the show. It was carried by Greer. Yeah. She was the X Factor, but misguided. Uh, misguided. Generation X. Uh, Generation Y meets Generation Y not. Was that the catcher? <laughs> no, that was the catchphrase for accidentally on purpose, which was a Jenna Elfman gets pregnant show. Do you know Jenna Elfman has not had uh, one series last past the first season since Starman Greg, and she has been on, I believe, six series? True? Yeah. Did you know she's a Scientologist? I did. Do you know that Jenna Elfman's in Krippendorf's Tribe? Of course I know that. I've seen that film. Yeah. It's bad. Who hasn't? Uh, most people. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a weird movie. A uh, weird, weird movie, though. Yeah, it's uh, a weird movie. Would never get made today. Should not have been made back then. <laughs> Both true. Do you know that film's based on a fucking novel? A really weird novel. A really gross, sexy novel. Yeah. It's sexy? It's more sexually explicit than the film. Gotta read that. (laughs) Do you? I'm in. Ben, what do you think of this uh, Krippendorf's tribe uh, uh, road that we're going down? I... I don't even know what any (laughs) of that means. All I'm saying is I'm D-T-R-A-S-M. She was on... Down to read a sexy novel. Courting Alex. Yeah. Accidentally on purpose. Yeah. Damages, 1600 yeah. pen, growing up Fisher, five. Oh, okay, five. Yeah. That is crazy, though. And she's got a six one this quite, fall. Quite possibly. It, oh, she does. It's her and a computer animated imaginary friend. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yep. That sounds terrible. Yep. Do you remember when Joey was on a show called Mac and Cheese and Friends and it was him <laughs> and a robot called Cheese? <laughs> that was funny. I thought you were going to say, do you remember when Joey was on a show called Joey? Uh, yeah, Joey was great. Yeah. It was about his adventures in Hollywood. Yeah. When people ask me why I dropped out of college, I was like, I made the same mistakes as uh, NBC's Joey. <laughs> you took <laughs> you a thing to that California was- California too quick? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lost the entire like core supporting cast that were clearly propping up the character. Character did not work on his own. <laughs> it was all about environment with that guy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the film uh, Elizabethtown. So he gets a call on the phone before the suicide cycle does his, And I, again, I would love to know if he was supposed to pedal 
repeatedly as it stabbed him over and over again, or if it was just going to deliver one stab wound to his heart. I have to imagine it was a cycle. I have to imagine he had to keep pedaling. Well, that's hard to imagine that someone would do that, even if they were, uh, you know, gripped by the will to die. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? A guy slides down an elephant trunk. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, he does do that. Rides a shield like a goddamn skateboard down a staircase. Yeah, he did that as well. So Fucking the, Legolas? You know this Legolas guy? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I do. Dude's What's got fucking bows got? and arrows and and spears. Couple little couple little daggers. Great hair. No. Legolas? <laughs> I hate that hair. Great hair. All when right. I, when I go to the barber, I hold up a picture of Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, I don't think we can pull this off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> oh, when I go to the ear doctor, I hold up a picture of Legolas. And he's like, I'm a doctor, not a plastic surgeon. Yeah. I gotta change the shape of your ears. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when he was in the Hobbit movies? Ooh. Bloom. Yeah, he played Legolas. <laughs> he came back. Yeah, do you know that? Do you know in those films he plays uh, Legolas? He does. Yeah. So, Judy Greer's on the phone. His oh. dad died. Oh, boy. You know? Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. So, he goes home to Oregon. He's in Oregon probably already, but he goes home. Yes. Because if he worked for, quote unquote, Nike. Yeah, yes. He goes, he goes to see his mother and his sister. He does. The, the beginning of, uh, you, you see Judy Greer on the phone, right? Crying. Then you see. Uh, you cut to the three of them walking through an airport. I think it's important to explain how little we see of these characters before Susan Sarandon's speech at the end, right? We we never see her. We right. see her three times, maybe. The first you see of and her, and she's not emotive. No, the first you see of her in the film, she's going, "Oh my god, we got all these things to do, this and that. What are Which we going to do I, about this? You have to deal with it." And then she goes, "Oh my god, I'm a widow." Yeah, and it's like she hasn't thought about. Which the I fact. actually like. That's what that experience is. Like. Not bad. Uh, that that scene is fine, although Bloom is again not really holding the camera. Uh, when he's on screen, which is I'd, all the time. I'd say the problem is the opposite. It feels like he's holding the camera and not acting. <laughs> well, sure. He's giving a performance with all the charisma of a camera operator. And <laughs> that he oh is moving in time with where the uh, shot's supposed to be. Uh, uh. <laughs> but other than that. So he, the dad, I guess, died in his hometown he of was, Elizabeth Town. Uh, Louisville. It, what? <laughs> Why? Louisville. Uh, in Kentucky. You mean, uh, you mean lava? So he's got a lava. So Bloom has got to fly over to Kentucky. Where? What? What part of Kentucky? I don't know. Lava. Lava. Okay. Oh boy. So he's got to do that. Yeah. And so he gets on a plane where he's like the only passenger. How whimsical! In economy, everyone else is in first class. How? Whimsical. You know those planes where first class sells out, <laughs> but every other section is empty? You know when the Portland to Louisville flight sells out first class? That overnight, <laughs> Portland to Louisville, <laughs> red eye, we're the only people. The fuck? Are all heavy rollers who want to fly in first. Everyone's going to get a hot brown <laughs> and bring it back for the morning. What's a hot brown? It's a Kentucky delicacy. Oh, I thought it was a poop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fair enough. Uh, so, uh, Kirsten Dunst, 
Kiki. Who we have glimpsed for a second getting her stewardess outfit on. And what an outfit it is. Uh, it seems like a normal stewardess outfit. Um, she's uh, on his plane, and she's like, please, can we move you to first class? She says, congratulations, sir. Yeah, free very... upgrade, and he's like, I don't want to. And she's like, look, don't uh, want to have to keep walking back. And she, so she moves him up to first class. They chat. She's trying to, you know, break down the barrier. He's ignoring Real her. Real hard. He's giving her nothing. She's spending a lot of time and energy on it's a, a guy. It's a metaphor for the movie. Yep. Yeah, that's what, I mean, I think she's fucking, like, doing, like, Ginger Rogers No, she's doing backwards. too much. Too much. That's the thing. She's at 8,000%, and he's at zero. You, you're like, can we both be at 50 and get to 100? Yeah, I mean, this sort of falls into the, like, Anne Hathaway, James Franco Oscars thing, where it's like, she looks worse because he's doing nothing. Like she's trying too hard to overcompensate what for what he's not doing. I understand what you're saying. I'm just she's bad. I don't think she's bad. I mean, also it's a horribly written character. I think so it's a horribly written she's character. She's yapping on about I think like, she's very good in it. I'm gonna stand by that. That's stupid. I think she's I think you know, like like the soldiers just, storming the beach of Normandy. You can she's like doing the an best actor in an impossible and, situation. You can like an actor and think they're bad in a movie. Like I, I there are many like, cases of that I can throw she's, out. I mean, for one, you know what she's bad in? All the Spider-Man movies. I think she's good in two. She's better in two because everything's better. I in think she's one. very good in two. No, but she's better. She's definitely she's very good in two. When when she yeah, because she really her romance with the astronaut is really well explored. I think two. she's <laughs> Louisville in two. <laughs> she's dating an astronaut. In I'm two. losing my mind. Mm. Um, hey, do you guys remember the the conversation they have on the plane? Oh, please boy. tell me. Well, they, they talk about. Names. Hey, you know something about names. I have many. How do you? What do you think? What do you think Kristen Dunst would say about a Ben? I feel like she'd be like, he's like real deep, pretty complex guy. <laughs> pretty, it's pretty unpredictable. You never know what he's gonna say, what he's gonna do. That's what makes him a wild card. <laughs> Wait, so keeps you on, on the edge of your seat. What is he gonna say next? <laughs> what are you gonna do, baby? I I feel like. Uh... I mean, it's horrible, reductive human stereotyping where she's like, oh, all jacks are like this. I never met a Brett who I didn't hate. And Patricia's are untrustworthy. What are we talking about? Fucking Elizabeth Town. It's a 2005 tragic comedy directed by Cameron Crowe. <laughs> tragic comedy. Um, so then he goes to um, Kentucky. Love him. She well, gives this him, whole conversation. She gives, she gives him, him all detailed these directions. Direction. She talks about people with their names. She asks him about his father. He doesn't let on that his father's dead. And she goes, he sounds like a great guy. The film feels like uh, an annoying person is trying to bother you because his performance is so shut down that it just is just her going like, then you're going to take a right here. Then you're going to take a left here. And you're just like, dude, just stop talking, man. She's, he's not giving you anything. Yeah, I mean, the successful version of this scene happens a year earlier in Eternal Sunshine, where yeah, Jim Carrey is playing a guy who's very shut down, through, but with yeah. a lot of palpable pathos that make yeah, him interesting. He seems interesting. depressed. I mean, that movie, I do fear, like, oh, if I watch that now, would I think, like, oh, what a sad white guy bastard movie this is. But I don't Jim Carrey's so. performance is terrific in Eternal Sunshine. And, and uh, Kate Winslet is playing a real character. Yeah. Someone who is struggling to find an identity for herself and in the process creates a lot of external things. Right, but also that movie is an unhappy movie, whereas this movie is trying to be a happy movie. Right. You know, that movie's not just about like, and then you get the girl, and then she makes you a map with a playlist, and you do the playlist map. Well, not to keep comparing it to Jerry Maguire, but Jerry Maguire is a guy who loses his way and tries to fight for what he believes in. And along the way, 
has this relationship with this woman where he changes how he feels about the woman over over time and and it feels earned. This movie is a guy is miserable. He wants to do nothing, right? He just wants to fucking go on that like fucking moving like trackway. And then this woman is like, I'm going to commit my life to making him happier. A stranger decides to commit her life to making him happier. For reasons that are in not, I can't discern except for that Orlando Bloom is cute and you want to pinch his cheek. Yeah, and he's the lead character in the film. True. Which is where the Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing comes in. Is and like, also, men need women to, to fix that. Well, 100%. And I, I think like the cornerstone of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing, because I feel like a lot of times it has, is misapplied. Yeah, it can be misapplied. In, in, uh, towards other different shitty character types. Yeah, well, and also, I was saying this to our friend Lux today on Twitter, like, yeah. sometimes it just means bad movie, like, you know, yes. poorly written character. Right, right, you exactly. Know, like, it's not like, oh, you wrote a great Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yes. I loved that Manic, like, it's an it's a pejorative thing. The, it's, yes, yeah. 100%. And the, and the key to the Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing for me is a woman who is so committed to making a guy's life better mm-hmm. for no reason other than that he's the main character of the film. Yeah. Like, that is her narrative function, is to, like, show him what he didn't realize and pull him out of his whatever. Which is what? That he's handsome and talented and, like, probably shouldn't kill himself right after his dad dies and his family is sad? Like, what if his dad dies, his family is sad, and he's in the movie, like you said, he's like, well, I'm going to take care of this and then get right back on that bike. That's like a line. It's like, wait, your plan is to help bury your father... And then in your family's hour of need, murder yourself in this, like, gruesome way with a bike knife? And then, like, they have to find your bloody body? That's your plan? Am I supposed to have empathy for this guy? Not to mention, like, okay, so yes, big big shoe failure. It's not like they're suing him for the billion dollars. No, it, He's he got lost fired. His job, but whatever money he had up until then, he has. And he throws all his possessions away. You could have sold him on Craigslist, Like a buddy. fucking dummy, well, right? he wanted to kill himself. Yeah, but, but uh... He also, like... I forgot Javier Bardem is in the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good casting, but and Cruz why, is in the why fourth. bother? Yeah. 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 True. Maybe she was like, Javier, I had a great time making... Well, that's the fucking thing. Every Pirates time they make... Pirates of the Caribbean. Javier, you must do it, Javier. Javier. Every, every time they make a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, they add one new element where I'm like, oh, fuck, that does sound good. Yeah, but and then, then I see it, and then I'm like, yeah. nope, not good. Not good movies. I still think that their movie's kind of amazing. But anyway. I do too. I think the third movie is like a perverse like kind of act incredible. of like it's kind of incredible. Yeah. I like the third movie because it like just says fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh the thing I was going to say Oh, and Brenton it, Thwaites is in it. They're really trying to make him happen. He's kind of cute in uh, Gods of Egypt, my he's favorite the new film. The new Sam Claflin who they tried to make happen in the last one. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh what were we saying? His his plan to uh, kill himself. Oh yeah. Uh yes. This this article is gonna come out in fucking business magazine. Yeah, he's gonna be a little humiliated on the professional end. Okay, so maybe he's not gonna get another job in the shoe industry, but it's not like he's like fucking OJ Simpson. Yeah. You know, <laughs> where like publicly everyone's obsessing over like, well, this guy fucked up. You know, like a lot of people are just o. not J. gonna Simpson. give a shit. Yeah. And if he wants to, he could just start a different career. Like, yeah, probably, it's, you're going to have a tough year of rebuilding. But yeah. I don't think his life is over. He's no Mel Gibson. He's no Mel Gibson. You going to eat that bagel? Well, I felt like I was eating too much on Mike for the first half, and I was trying to let... I'm just hungry. Apocalypto, though? Uh, Do you want some of that bagel? 
No, 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 it's your pick. Okay. I'll get my own pick. Apocalypse is a good movie. Um, it is okay. a good movie. So he goes back home to Laurel. Uh, oh, and we've, uh, the, the single worst fucking affectation in this movie, Kirsten Dunst taking the imaginary pictures. Oh, my God. Do they have sex or do they just sleep in bed together? Unclear. Yeah. I guess I don't care. Really? Yes. Sex is cool, though. <laughs> You know what's the usually... best part of sex? What? Ah, sex part. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not Kirsten Dunst taking an imaginary picture? No, no, not at all. <laughs> the sex part. <laughs> I like dressing. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite part. Dressing. Getting to recover my shame. <laughs> so... Uh, he goes home. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of... She, she gives detailed directions, which is like, who, who fucking care this much? I mean, again, remember, there are no, there's no Google Maps. Yeah. It's real hard to get lost there on the back roads of the Kentucky Highway. And of course he does it, even though she does the very thing she told yeah, him not to Yeah, he drives into Indiana somehow. Yeah. Oops. Uh, gets there, his family, ooh boy. Oh, there are a bunch of... Characters, I guess. Ooh, yeah. they they sure seem like they're from the south and are poorer than him. Yeah, they seem like nice people. Yeah, they seem fine. I mean, they're a little loud. Played by some good character actors and, and Paula, Paula Dean. Now, she's pretty good. I yes, yeah, I was. It's, it's kind of weird. I didn't know she was in this. I did, but I I all I knew is that Paula Dean was in Elizabeth Town. You didn't know. For she all had I knew, she played her herself. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know at all. Uh, really. when she showed up, I went like, Whoa? and then I went What'd like, you go, like okay. And then I went like, wait, is she playing herself? Then it was clear, okay, she's Aunt Dora or whatever. She's his aunt. I was like, is she going to be this like, for a second? Then she's got, she's got like a couple like scenes that are scenes, like all yeah. on. There's the one scene with her and Orlando Bloom in the kitchen that's like all her. Uh, I'll and say, there's the scene where she's like, that's, you know, Uncle Bob, and he was yeah. a poet, and that's blah, blah, blah. Right. She's like pretty fucking good. She's man. not bad. I mean, she's just doing what I guess Cameron Crowe is going for, which is like, just act like you're sort of down home folks, you know? But she's got like funny comic timing. Yeah, she's fine. She All right, let's not let's, let's not give her I'll, an Oscar. I'll just say no. I won't give her an Oscar, but it, you know, it's uh, I'd say much better than her most recent acting performance, which was uh, someone pretending she's not a racist. Do you remember that unconvincing performance? Good job. I'm not a racist. Remember that one? Yes. Um, Loudon Wainwright, the great Loudon Wainwright. Loudon Wainwright the third. He's Uncle Dale. He's funny. Uh, you've got a lot of those other guys who you're like. Oh, I know that guy. You know, where it's like, like there's the the guy who is um, buddy, buddy, uh, fuck, what's, uh, Ricky Bobby, Ricky Bobby's uh dad in Talladega Nights. No, Gary Cole is his dad. Uh, not dad, grand grandpa, grandpa. Oh yes, yeah, yes. the guy from that scene where he's yes. like, uh, like I'm your elder. You should respect me. And they and the kids just yell yeah. at him, and he's just <laughs> yeah. like, turn up the heat. Yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> uh, the great Bruce McGill. He's such a good character actor. I love Bruce McGill. But what the but this fuck is, is this character? He shows up and it's everyone's kind of like, "Oh, Bruce McGill's here." And he's like, "All right." He walks here I am. He walks in. You could drop a pin in the silence, right? Right. And then he goes, he's like, "So no you didn't invite me. me. No one invited me." Yeah. And then he goes like, "Yeah, I'm fucking around." And everyone yeah. laughs. Ah! And then when he calls Sarandon and is like, "Oh, uh, she's like uh, Bill Banyan's here." And she's like, "That motherfucker." Yeah. I'll Die before I look upon his face. I curse his name. If Bill Banyan's there, I'm coming just to show him what for. And then, like, yeah, and, it and never pops. Like, and he's like, Mom, Mom, do you want to cremate Dad? There's all this, like, chaos. Yeah. Because anytime he talks to his family, they're all chaotic. 
And we're, yes. I guess we're supposed to be just be like, oh, this is what grief is like. And these kids are so loud. <laughs> I don't know if you know about kids okay. these days. I like that scene. I do too. I think it's probably the best scene in the it's movie. It's the best scene in the movie. What's, what is it? What is that scene? It's so weird. But So he he gets back to his hotel after like getting in with the family. Yeah. They play Elton John's My Father's Gun, which is a song I really like. There's a lot of good songs on the soundtrack. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's a good, no, they're well matched. No, I just want to, I want to, you know, props to Elton John's My Father's Gun off of a tumbleweed connection. Uh, and he gets home and he's like, got some phone calls to make. And then there's yeah, a, and he likes, a wacky sequence. He's putting everyone on hold. Yeah. Don't you know? Beal. Fucking uh, Greer. And then, but well, Susie well, S. Yes. And he was trying to call Kiki Dunst. K. D. Because she put her number, like five different numbers, on the back of the envelope with the directions. Calling her, he's got the other people on hold. He goes through a breakup. His uh, mom, uh, Judy Greer is like, you got to come back home. Mom's going crazy. She's like, what do you mean going crazy? And it's like, she's taking fucking classes. She's going insane. She's learning how to knit. She's losing her mind. Yeah. Right? They set up this thing, but it's like... Again, well, clearly, this must be rooted in reality. This must have been something that happened to his mother, maybe. Maybe? I don't know. Who, his mother plays, like, the other aunt who's yeah, always by Paula Dean in the film. Now, she's some in of our younger listeners, I just want to make sure we know that call waiting at the time was sort of a big deal, especially <laughs> three lines. Yeah. Just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Continue with the conversation. Yes. Lock the gates. Lock the gates. Please do remember to lock the gates. At all times. Yeah, be kind, lock gates. Um, so anyway, then he talks to KD on the phone. Well, I, I think, I just want to point out this Sarandon thing. What do you want thing, to point out, no, you motherfucker? You're doing this thing about like Sarandon's losing her mind. And it's like, yeah. we didn't know what she was like before, and no, she doesn't seem that crazy. She's just trying to occupy her mind with other yeah, shit. Yeah, I know, but they're just like. But Judy Greer's like, mayday, well, and mayday. Not, not just that, but also all the Kentucky people are kind of talking around her. Oh, and they like, hate her. And you get the impression they hate her, and you don't know why. California. Yeah, they keep calling them Californians even though they don't even live in so California. We live in Oregon. Because, you know, people in Kentucky, I don't know if you know this, but they're such fucking dumb motherfuckers. They don't even know the difference between a state. Yeah. Yeah, they're such evil, stupid people. Yeah. They're like, I guess you live in California now. I fuck animals. But also, what's the difference? Because all us latte liberals look the same, smell it's, the same. It's just like one of these movies where it thinks that it's delightful that it's in, like, you know, the South, like in America's heartland or something where they're like, aren't these people, they're rough around the edges, but you know, there's some wisdom to be found if you sit down and talk to them. It's like one of those movies. It's so simple, patronizing. Simple town is going to teach this oh, shoemaker this stuck up shoe knifer. I don't like shoe the knifer. culture clash element of it, but no. I do think there's like a movie in just like guy Going There's home a to movie his family if and, you do it right. Right. If it's not as much like the us versus them, but just like but he's the, realizing he has more in common with his family. But this movie is that. You know, right, which right. is annoying. Uh, I do like the, there's the kid uh, who's like the relative who well, keeps on. Well, you got on, Paul Schneider. Yeah. You know, no, as, but, there, as but there's the, the, up, yeah. the kid who's like the shoe aficionado who keeps on talking about the shoe thing and he doesn't know that the shoe is bombed and that they're right, going right. to fucking and talk about it. Well, thing. I think he's also thinking like, oh, like, let maybe me get I in. can get a job at the shoe factory. Yeah. Yeah. I think that moment's captured pretty well. It's fine. About like being in a party and having someone look up to you and being like, I know I'm a fucking failure. I can't dismiss you because you it's, think I'm important. It's fine. But then other stuff is not fine. But yep. then he there's a a, a phone call with KD mm-hmm. that turns into a montage. 
phone call. It's kind of like the the vanilla sky thing where they spend that one magical night together, but where they talk like, for twelve hours. Right, but the script is so is not going to show us like what they talk about. Oh, you're getting isolated statements. Yeah, you just sort of cut into it and he's just like, Yeah, I just think like all women should be able to vote when they're thirteen. Like, I don't know, you're just cut into some random thing and she's like getting in the bath or she's like putting on her tights. I don't know. Like yeah. he's like, you know, going over to the ice machine and the hotel, like, you know, whatever. Oh, there's a wedding going on at the hotel. The oh, that's same right. He runs space into that a, they're going to use for their memorial service. Life and death right next door to each what's other. What's his name? Jed Reese. He runs Jed into Reese, that actor. Jed Reese. Yeah. Who we've mentioned on this podcast before. Yeah. Uh, you know, who talks to him for a second. I don't know. I think Crow is trying to capture like, oh, this sort of wild and crazy emotional state that this character is in where like, you know, things seem to be sort of rushing in off the screen at him almost like it's it like it just feels like he's like, where do I got to stand? What's my next line? You know, there's no like he doesn't feel like he's being weighed down by this. Any of this. Uh, he and Kiki Dunst have a conversation. There's a there's a there's a very Cameron Crow thing that I like where they fucking decide to like. You know, I almost hang up, and then it's like, oh, what about you? We might as well stay up at this point. She's supposed to go to Hawaii, foreshadowing. It's true. She says the word aloha yeah. in the movie, and or he, he does as well. And then they decide to drive to some neutral point. Yeah, and, and they, they see each other, and that's sort of weird. Well, I like the moment where they, like, see each other and, like, come on, and then they go sit, and they look at the sunrise, and they go, like, we peaked at the phone call, right? Yeah, yeah we shouldn't yeah, have done this. Yeah, yeah. And this. they, like, leave. And I like when he fucking deflates the balloon. That's the thing Crow's good at. He doesn't do enough of that here in this picture. I guess, but I also, they're so cute about it. It's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just like, ah, oh, we peaked at the phone call. Silly us. Let's drive an hour back. Bye. You have, like, one actor like having to play chemistry for both of them. All right, you've made that point already. Yeah, okay. Uh, anyway. All right, so then he's doesn't want to cremate his dad, or someone doesn't want the dad cremated. The family doesn't want the dad cremated, but the California, Oregon family does. Because that's what dad said he wanted. Right, but they, then they're like, no, he's got his plot, we should bury him, but no, they cremate him, and Orlando Bloom's like, I, I, the last second, he's like, I don't want him cremated. Because he looks at the blue flame of Paula Deen's oven. Yes, they're and then up. it turns out he's cremated, and he's an nerd. That's like a little arc that plays out. Okay. There's no larger bearing. No. It's just sort of like a thing that happens. And he's walking maybe to- that's something that happened to Cameron Crowe. Again, maybe that's why he's putting it in the movie. It has no bearing on the story. He's walking through the lobby with the urn. And- yeah, well, that becomes right. Like and- this, the weird visual joke of the movie is and- that he's got this urn under his arm. Tons calls and she's like, hey, I got something for you. I know you're- we're talking about those kids being real loud. I got a video. I promise it will silence kids up. And he's like, okay. And then there's like, a, uh, a great little scene, and that, but but then the, there's a balloon pop, and he's like, "What?" And she's there, and he's like, "Weren't you supposed to go to Hawaii?" And oh, she yeah. doesn't answer. She's like, "Aloha." <laughs> yeah. In theaters, 2014. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and then they just have another nice night together, and he tries to kiss her, and she maybe has a boyfriend, although we never ben, see this boyfriend. Yeah. Yes, producer Ben. Producer Ben, were you dating Kiki Dunst in Elizabeth Town in 2005? I was not. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad we sold that rumor. Um, but uh, Ben, Ben, ben <laughs> like the Ben in this movie, like fucking sucks. He's married to his academic career. Uh, that was a loud wink. Um, and he tries to kiss her, and then they like don't really do it. And she's like, "Aren't you glad that we like didn't do something impulsive so that we could, you know, fucking be friends forever or whatever?" Right. But it's like, but then why were you so actively pursuing this guy? Like, you clearly had the hots for him to fucking 
write the thing and you know get him to call and talk all night and whatever. Yeah. And then she gets in this whole thing about that they're replacement people. Oh God, I forgot about that. He also has had that monologue earlier where he's like. What I know is like the farewell face, like the he collects face. them. He, he collects them. them, like Cameron Crowe collects vanilla records. Yeah, vanilla <laughs> records. And yeah, she says they're replacement people. I don't know what that means. I don't either. It's like they're like stand-ins for. It's like I don't you know. You need someone in your life. I don't know. It's stupid. They're young and pretty. They want to fuck. They should fuck each other. Yeah. Well, they eventually do. Yeah. Well, he goes like. Oh, Good thing for Ben, we only kiss. And then it cuts to them in bed together. And then she wakes up and he uh, is still sleeping. And she has this like conversation with him while he's sleeping. And she acts like disappointed that he's asleep. And then he wakes up and chases her out afterwards outside. And he's like, I feel like I failed my shoe company. I had to tell you, like, right. I want to kill myself. Right. And she's like, oh, you asshole. I thought you were running out to tell me that you loved me. And then she like walks off in a huff. Like she's angry. That the reason he chased after her was to tell yeah, her... that he's contemplating killing himself. Right. Which is fair, because it is annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Cameron Crowe is like, I guess there should be a, a, as an act two here. I don't yeah, know, maybe. she has to leave, so you wonder if she's like, going to come back. We were kind of talking about Jerry Maguire on that podcast about how it has like like six acts, and yeah. it's great. Like, you know, it doesn't obey. Like, And then this, it feels like he has zero acts, but he just sort of like puts like an up and down structure on it just because... It something's got to happen, right? Like someone's got to give. And the immortal words of Jack Nicholson. <laughs> you remember that part of the movie where he goes, "Ah, something's got to give." No, nope, I don't remember that part. I remember when Keanu Reeves is a hot doctor, though. You don't remember where he goes? Ah, it's showtime. <laughs> I realized my Nicholson sounded more like Beetlejuice. I had to. They also. Uh, that's also from a, a drowning pool song. It's showtime, or something's got to give. Uh, uh, let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> Ben's on fire today. I mean, what is he not? That's true. Call him White Hot Ben. Uh, oh, <laughs> new name? White Maybe. Hot Benny? Maybe. He's we'll white, see. he's hot, he's Ben. <laughs> it's true. So, uh, then there's the, the funeral, or the memorial, whatever. Yeah. Guess who gives a eulogy that brings the house down? Like, she's fucking prior at the Apollo. <laughs> like, I swear to God. Like, yeah. she gives a stupid speech about this time she hugged her husband and his dick like poked her in the back. Not her husband, their next door neighbor oh, right. after he died. Right, she right. has all these fucking bits about how she right. stole her husband yeah, yeah, in an yeah, yeah, elevator yeah. and then yeah, took him yeah, to yeah. Disney World when he was engaged to another woman and she was engaged to another man and like everyone hates her and then she just starts like fucking like landing these jokes about boners. And it's like the fucking Tignataro like live set. Like people, yeah, people in the are audience losing are, their like, minds. Losing their minds yeah. and they just keep on cutting to Greer and Bloom with their like head kind in their of hands, amused, like oh, being like, "Oh geez, God, this mom. is so embarrassing." Right. It's like nothing embarrassing. She's killing. I mean, look, yeah, the speech is embarrassing, but you have nothing to be embarrassed by. Well, then she these does. These idiots are eating it up. And then she does a tap dance to Moon River, <laughs> which I, I I gotta admit, I oh no, don't say you like that. No, I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. But this is what I hated about it. Uh, I I kind of can't listen to Moon River without crying. That's weird. I think it's like the saddest song in the world. Uh, I was in not a great place last night when I watched the movie. And when the song started and she like lifted her legs up, well, I think first it became clear she was going to do a tap dance from the way she was moving. Uh -huh. And then they played the, and I was like, fuck this. You could do some fucking tap dancing routine. Are you fucking kidding me? And then they play Moon River and I started crying and I was so angry that the movie activated that in me. 
Griffin, sure. next time this happens, yeah. just think of Fletch getting a finger up the butt. <laughs> Moon River. But I cried during that scene, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, because, you know, colon cancer is nothing to laugh about. You're, that's very true. Yeah. And guys, you know, when you start getting up there in your 30s, you got yeah. to get a regular checkup. You start getting up there in their 30s, you got to start letting him get up there in your buttle. Yeah. And your um, butthole. So then Claire is at the memorial. Uh, she shows up surprise appearance because she yeah. had sort of peaced. Also, there is a performance of Free Bird by Paul Schneider's band. I don't want to talk about it. And then there's a bird that catches on fire. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Also, uh, they're playing electronic instruments while rain or whatever, the sprinkler system, is cascading down upon them. True that. There's a uh, Stupid. There's a shot of Judy Greer as the sprinklers goes off, go off, just standing in the rain, looking up at the sky. Laughing at how how crazy life is. I'm tired. Yeah, me too. Also, that scene we didn't talk about it. We should the scene where he plays this video for them to shut the kids up is very arresting and funny. It's very interesting. It's a good scene. I don't know why it's in the movie. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah the video itself is great. Where the video? I wish I don't know who the actor is. He kills it. It's maybe the best performance in the movie. Yeah, but he's basically like. I'm going to blow up this. All right, I built this house. It's a great house, but it's been infested with termites, so I'm going to blow it up. Now, I'm only going to do it if you promise to, like, keep quiet, yeah. you know, and, like, you know, do you promise? And they're like, we promise, like all the kids. But there's this whole undercooked thing with, like, Paul Schneider's got his kid. He's a single father. He's trying to be his kid's friend because he doesn't want to have an antagonistic relationship Lown Wainwright, who is his antagonistic father, is like, you can't be a friend to your son. But again, this is like some like weird, bizarro side plot where you're like, what does this have to do with anything? But that feels like there was like There's two scenes more. cut out oh, there. Yeah. There had to be. And I think there had to be more with Sarandon and Greer. It doesn't make sense to set them up that way and then have that big monologue at the end and not do anything in between other than going like, she won't stop taking classes. Uh, Jim Fitzpatrick, I believe is his name. Uh, killed it. Uh, so, uh, then he blows up the house and it's funny. And then he's like, now we build it again. Yeah. Funny. Uh, Kirsten Dunn shows up, um, and she goes, you know, I got a thing for you. And you're like, oh, she's admitting that she really likes him and this and that. Then she's like, it's a map. And then she's just like, look, we were never going to date, dating a guy named Ben. And he's like, does Ben ever even exist? And she's like, here's a map. Go on a road trip. Go alone. Smell you later. Yes. And I was going to give this film slight props for being about two people who never got together. No. Who just sort of dance around each other. They get together, though. Well, I, w- I said I was going yeah, to. Yeah, but, like, I, well, I at least was like, no. he's gonna. I, at that moment in the film, went, he's going to go on the road trip by himself and so, figure out who he is. Literally. End of the movie. I paused the movie at that happens. point, and I go, Wait, there's 20 minutes left? Here's what happens in the How movie. How are there possibly 20 the minutes left? The character who exists only to serve this man's emotional journey presents him with a magic box that will complete his emotional journey that she made for him that's all about his emotions. That would have taken fucking six years to assemble. I mean, it's detailed notes of every single route he has to take, what places he has to go into, who he has to say hi to, what he has to take stock in, what he has to think about, combined with like fucking like 20 mix CDs with songs timed up to life events, it gives him directions on how to take it makes no sense. the publication of Business Week. Like yeah. all of it. Like she, hey, she doesn't have the time to do this. She's got a job. It, whatever. B, who gives a shit? It, Why would it, she do this? It doesn't matter. Don't try to think about it. So this happens. Why this, does she write the map? Like, 
Very good. Thank you. <laughs> and so she, she like, took the road trip by herself too. Took the pictures, yes. planned it out, yeah. then had him do it. That's she had crazy. To t- she had to take the trip. Right. I guess we should know uh. that, like, throughout the movie, she's been sort of saying to him, like, "You should really go on a road trip." And he's like, "Yeah, I should." And he's like, "You know." He was supposed to go on one with his dad, and then they kept on the pushing thing. it off because so his career. During and this his dad montage died. of him going on the road trip with all the, and he's like scattering his dad's ashes joyously around the country. Yeah. We're cutting in footage of like him as a kid with his dad, like dancing around. And it's supposed to be like this big catharsis, except we don't know anything about the dad to this at this moment in the movie. No, still. absolutely not. And you're like, I mean, you know, you get the general concept like, yeah, he liked his dad. You know, a lot of people do. Great. But, but like, there's because, nothing there. Because there's no palpable feeling in Orlando Bloom's performance or whatever. So when he goes like, yeah, my dad was a good guy. It feels like he's was just stating a, like, yeah, my dad was not a murderer. Like, it doesn't feel problem? like he loves his dad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. did we know he didn't like his dad? No, that doesn't come up. Agreed. Uh, he goes on this long road trip. The road trip sequence lasts like over 10 minutes. Yeah, it's Of him boring. just going from place to place. I'm like, how the fuck is this movie still going on? It, I mean, I would have given the film props to a small degree if she gave him the map and she walked away. Well, stop saying that you would have given the film props for doing something it didn't do. Got in the it car. didn't do that. But I'm saying, uh, fucking bad Toronto screening. I get hey, that Cam, what you're saying. Cam, acts, just acts the last 20 Cut it off. Cut off the tail of the picture. You know? He fucking goes to all these stops. She gives him all the directions on how to live his life because she has no being herself and she just wants to make the sad man happy. It doesn't happy. matter. It doesn't matter. And then he gets to the fucking second best county fair or the farmer's market, whatever the fuck it is. And she goes, now go to the shoe. And it's the shoe that he made. And there's a, and she's like, yeah, 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 there's a note in the shoe. Either at that point, decide whether to continue the journey or go home. And it's like, well, what's it? Wait, wait, wait. I mean, let's go check the shoe. And he checks the shoe and it says, like, look for the girl in the red hat. And it's like, wait, she sent him on this road trip just so that she could meet him back two weeks later? I have nothing to say. It's bad. The hat's cute. I guess so. She's cute. Just cute, man. He's cute in this movie. Yeah, he's all right. He looks cute. Yeah, but he's so. Anytime he talks. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. So uh, the film ends, and who cares? Uh, I tried to look up some articles to see if Crow like ever accounted for the movie. Uh huh. You, you can talk for a second. Uh, I uh, so I don't hate the movie. I don't really like it at all. I find it very aggravating, but there are uh, bits and pieces that I like. Cameron Crow is a filmmaker whose like t- tone is very in sync with my sensibility. And so even just the fleeting moments that for me kind of half connect, it's like uh, I also kind of like prefer what this movie is failing to do to what most movies succeed in doing. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, Um, but I don't like this movie. I don't either. I'm just saying I don't hate it. Yeah, I do hate it. Right. Um, Crow says that he he kind of compares the character to an angel in this uh, interview. Uh, Dunst. Yeah. Like like literally like an angel just sort of sent from heaven to. Like, yeah, because he's like a cosmic being who has no just, right. Just do something for him. Yeah. I mean, there's the moment where Orlando Bloom's watching uh, what is it, Roman Holiday in his hotel room, 
Oh, God. Yeah. I right. love how there's no way any of these classic movies would ever play in any TV at any point in this movie. So annoying. Well, I just think that's him going like, hey, guys, this is what I'm trying to do. Uh, I'm trying to make like an Audrey Hepburn, yeah, like this wacky yeah. woman who comes into the life. But it's like, yeah, but she was a human being, you know? You know, he, in these interviews, he basically just kind of says like, this is what was happening to me. So the movie kind of wrote itself. Film was produced by Tom Cruise. I saw that. Uh, was met with uh, their pals. Yeah, uh, re- a resounding uh, uh, sense of uh, uh, hatred. Yep. Um, booed at uh, Toronto. He was like, wait, 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 let me recut it. He recut it. People were like, nope. So let's play the box office game. Great. Um, yeah, because the movie came out October fourteenth. 2005, it opened third at the box office with $10 million. Okay, October 13th, 2005. Okay. 14th. Uh, 14th, and okay. It, and, it, and it eventually cleared 22 and, mil in the U.S. Oh, that's a little higher than I remember it being. And what the opening number is? $10 million. And it opens at number five? Number three. Number three, okay. You just said all this stuff and you didn't take any of it on board. Because I'm already- 26 domestic, 25 to- foreign, $52 million worldwide. Okay, so it wasn't a, a it's massive- budget financial flop it just was despised yeah but it didn't make any money okay i'm trying to i i i really feel a lot of pressure to get this one right this box office i don't know that you're gonna i don't think so either but i want to okay number one at the box office is it a new release or is is it a holdover it's a new release earning 11.7 million dollars it is a horror film and a remake very interesting 2005 the number one film made 11 yeah. So this is a bad weekend. Bad weekend. I mean, it is that sort of mid-October, you know, schluck. It's a 2005 remake, so it's not When a Stranger Calls. It's not the Amityville Horror. I'm thinking of horror remakes from around that time. It's not. Was it a remake of a franchise or a one-off horror film? A one-off horror film. A John Carpenter horror film. The Thing. No. Well, not Assault on Precinct 13. No. It's not Halloween. That's later. Yes. It's not Halloween. Right. It's such an irrelevant movie. It's such... Oh, oh, I, I know exactly what it is. Tom Welling in The Fog. That's right. Thank you. Oh, man. Number two is an animated film that uh, is down from number one the week before. Uh, 2005. Five. It won the Oscar. Uh, it won the Oscar in 2005. Wallace and Gromit? Correct. Curse of the Were-Rabbit? Yes. And then you have Elizabeth Town. Okay. Number four is a grown-up thriller starring an actress uh, that had made a lot of money. It's already made $70 million in its fourth week. Jeez Louise. Uh, pr- pretty, kind of a weirdly racist Flight movie. Flight plan? Yes. <laughs> With Jodie Foster. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, number five is uh, a film with uh, people in it. It's like a rom drum. Tip for Oscar success. It didn't get any. Oh, it stars women. It's a, f- a film starring three different women. Women in a movie? I know. It's crazy. What next? Female Ghostbusters? <laughs> 2005. It wasn't The Women. Was it wasn't it? The Women. It's like an okay movie. I think some people like this movie. I never quite dug it. I have a feeling I like it. Yeah, you think you might. I think I might. Okay, it's a rom Based on a book. So it's not... Fuck. Fuck. 
I feel like I know what this was. It was a failed Oscar thing based on a book with a female yeah. cast and it's an ensemble. Yeah. And it did okay at the box office. It made like thirty million. I give up. What is it? In her shoes. Oh, I do kind of like that movie. It's okay. <laughs> I remember thinking Cameron Diaz was okay in it. I think she's really good and then in that Tony movie. Tony Collette was kind of fine, but kind of doing her normal thing in it. Like, you know, not that yeah. interesting. Uh, the guy I think is really good in it is uh, the old guy from the Hitchcock movies. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Jimmy Stewart? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. No, who's in it? So that dude's like the oldest actor. Uh, <laughs> Nor- Norman Lloyd? Okay. Something like that. I'm All right. Not, some I'm other like... movies in the top 10 there. You've got Two for the Money with uh, McConaughey and Pacino. Hey. You've got Domino with Kira Knightley, who we mentioned earlier. I got A History of Violence, which Ugh. is a great movie. Love that movie. Uh, Corpse Bride is in there, which is a bad movie. Uh, yeah, that movie really weirdly doesn't work. Yeah. And then there's a movie called The Gospel. The I Gospel. Don't know, I don't know what it is, but it was a, a religious film. Uh, Waiting is in there. Serenity. Why can't I find the one the one actor? I'm oh, it doesn't for? matter. Come it matters on. for me and my own sense of well being. So, Norman Lloyd. I was correct. Good job. Thank you. So that's Elizabeth Town. Okay. Uh, merchandise spotlight. There was none. Uh, breaking news: Kirsten Dunst has just been announced to be the director of a new movie. Is that true? That's right. Like just today, just, just now, now while we're on Twitter, breaking news. Do, 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 do. The Berg Report. No, the, uh, the Bell Jar. She's going to direct an adaptation wow. of The Bell Jar with Dakota Fanning. Because she's done a couple short films that are supposed to be good. Uh, I can't wait for our listeners to hear this breaking news three weeks from now. <laughs> I want to read a couple reviews. Yes, we got to read go some out. reviews. Yes. I've got them here. Yes. Here's a review. Okay. By Pod Blanky Cast. Okay. Five stars. Great job, Jonathan Lipnicki. Hey, already like the review. That's okay. He starts his review saying, "Great job, Jonathan Lipnicki." That's the subject of the review. Okay. Here's the review. The pot. This podcast completes me, even though it had me at hello in this cynical world of fierce competitors we live in. Now, see, I don't know if he knows this, but this, uh, he's uh, some of the lines he's saying are very similar to lines from Cameron Crowe films. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he picked up on that. Yeah, that's a funny coincidence. Okay, go on. Here's from Knights of Ray. Who oh, calls... that's the whole review. Good. Yeah, Great. that's Fair the whole review. review. Five stars for that five star Here's review. Knights of Ray calling us the Star Wars of podcasting. Five stars. Here we go. They say the best art shouldn't be masturbated to. Oh, yes. I've read this review. This is my favorite review of all time. Blank check with Griffin and David is the exception that proves the rule. BCWGD, I've never seen us acronymized before, is essential listening for anyone interested in movies, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Star Wars trivia, auteurs, nicknames, merchandise, burgers, or kissing. Uh, you uh, even if you hate uh, all nine of those things, you should listen to this podcast. You will like it. Griffin and David are the Beatles of podcasting, and producer Ben is their George Martin. This podcast will change your life. R.I.P. Stop eating. I don't know. Well, I mean, you didn't like this episode, yeah? Or you did? You you're saying rest in peace, stop eating, like you're. You're mourning the death of people telling me to stop eating, which means you're happy that I brought it back. I there's don't. this really crazy thing where, like, there's, like, a Jesse Ventura doll and your dad is talking to you. There's some, like, long Oh, yeah, that review is insane. Okay, so that— I can't read this aloud. I, yes. Uh, that review uh, is— uh, So when I did stand-up as a little boy— Oh, uh, yeah. I, I was profiled in the New York Observer. 
Oh, is that just an excerpt? Is that what this review is? But then he starts warping the the dialogue. The first part of it is a direct excerpt from if you if you want a fun read, uh, the is you talking about a Jesse Ventura doll? That was my big bit. They made a real Jesse Ventura doll. Sure, Jesse fine. Ventura's uh, ad campaign oh, yeah. when he was running for governor was using an action figure of him as a wrestler in a suit and being like Jesse Ventura now with bill passing action or whatever it was, right? And it became a big thing, and he won the election, and then they made the doll, they mass-produced it. And I had this killer, killer fucking 10-year-old bit about uh, what action features other politicians would have if they were toys. Well, good. Very on brand. If you would like to read that article, you can find it online. It is titled, and I shit you not, Ladies and Jelly Beans, New York's Cutest Comic. Oh, we'll put it out with the episode. I uh, love it. I'm we'll finding it up on uh, Ladies Facebook and Jelly Beans, New York's cutest comic. So those are some reviews. You should. Uh, uh, that's those are good. You should um, read the reviews and leave us reviews on iTunes. Please, you might get it read on air. Also, tell your friends. I'm very check out other UCB Comedy Network podcasts. I'm very tired. Subscribe to our yeah. show. Subscribe. If you haven't already. How long has this episode been? Uh, an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Let's okay. get the fuck out of here. We're not talking about this movie any longer. Uh, so Elizabethtown is bad. Next week, we will be talking about uh, We Bought a Zoo. There's a long gap. Yeah. Six years he took to make another movie. He made the I little documentaries. Yeah. No, I think it's six. I think it's 05 to 11, I think. I thought We Bought a Zoo was 12. Eee! I thought We Bought a Zoo was 12. Um... Yeah, so it took him a while, but we'll get to that, Dames. Oh, I forgot to tell you sh- some of the actors who auditioned. Sean William Scott for for Elizabethtown. Would be better. Yeah, although I feel like he sort of came into himself as an actor. I don't know if he was there yet in 05, but maybe. But still would have been better. I mean, I, a garden rake would have been better, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Who uh, else auditioned? Wait. Jake G. J- Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Who... He was he was great. Yeah, I don't know why, why they wouldn't pick they him. Cast him. You know why I think they didn't pick him because he and Dunst were dating in real life, quote unquote. Yeah, uh, David gave me that. a knowing look. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he'd already yeah. I mean, I guess Brokeback Mountain comes out that year. I'm trying to think what was his what had he been in apart from like Donnie Darko? Uh, Day after tomorrow. Oh yeah, he almost replaced uh Tobey Maguire in Spider Man Two. Right with Backgate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then what were the other, what were the other things? I don't know. He'd been around, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, Colin Hanks uh, auditioned. Yeah. He's actually kind of got the sort of hang dog sad thing. I don't think Colin Hanks is like really a star. Uh, I agree. You know, who I think would have been an okay choice. Topher Grace. Oh no, no, no. He's a he's not a good actor. I think he's good sometimes. No, he can do one thing. But have you ever seen Topher Grace do, like, good emotion? Like, you know, this sort of stuff? Yeah, Spider-Man 3. Yeah, anyway. Uh, Chris Evans auditioned. Oh. A, a, a not famous, not know, that famous Chris Evans. But I love Evans. me some Chris Evans. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. He's He would have been weird. It's hard to know. It's hard to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I think a little undercooked at that point. And then James Franco. Oh, so you know what? He would have been great. Yeah, I. I mean, as long as he's going for it. He was With him. The, it's just if he thing. goes for it. He was the guy when I was looking at the people in the same age who I went, oh, he would have been the right level of fame, and he's the exact yep. same age as these two guys. 
Yep. And that was before everything became a fucking conceptual art project. No, it was when he was just the hot young guy. And he's very mopey. Like, you do buy him being sad. Yeah. He could have been okay. He could have been okay if he'd gone for it. But he's a real coin toss these days. He is. Um, yeah. So, you know, probably never would have been good. Next week, we're buying a zoo, motherfuckers. Are you excited? Yeah. Uh, I I kind of I kind of like Weebo Zoo. Have you seen it before? You no. seen it? No, you haven't seen it. No, Ben, have you seen it? No, dudes, go to the bank, get yourself approved for a loan, because you're gonna have to buy a zoo next week. I don't want to. Uh, I think by the time uh this episode's coming out, I think I think we'll be right around the time the tick is premiering on Amazon. Is that true? It's that soon. I think that's so. exciting. August nineteenth. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I can't I, remember. I think this one would be the week before the episode drops, but uh, uh, that date has not publicly been announced at the time that we're recording this, but by the time this is released, it will be announced. I'll cool. probably continue mentioning it, but uh, pilot for the tick. So just, you know, get ready for that. August 19th, it'll be on Amazon. You don't need to have a Prime membership. It will be viewable from the main page, and they will ask you after you watch it to fill out a uh, short survey. Uh, people ask how to vote for the show. Uh, there's not technically a voting thing, but just uh, fill out the survey and let them know that you'd want to watch uh, more of it. Because uh, I, I, I want to I wanna have a job. I really want to be a superhero. You're going to be a superhero, buddy. I had a great time doing it. I uh, I put my uh, my all into it, and I'm, I'm very proud. Um, and guys, when you're filling out the comments, no bits. No, Yeah, oh, this is very serious. Okay? No fucking bits, all right? Griffin wants to get a run of a show. Yeah. No bits, no anti-Semitic slurs, none of that. Just, you know, if 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 you hate me, say it, but don't joke about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. If your hate is true, throw it down, and I'll take it. So this article says you want to be an actor and a toy maker when you grow up. So yeah. you're just an actor. But that's pretty good. One out of two ain't bad. Yeah. yeah. You ever think you'll make a toy? The industry is real bad these days. I mean, I've thought about it a lot. I do, I do think about like uh, you know you know some uh, you know celebrities they start their own sort of like Vandy like clothing line or whatever, you know something like that. Yeah, I get you. Like I'm I've, sorry, I'm just I'm enraptured by this fucking article. Yeah, yeah, get ready, folks. Uh, this you'll have a real good time reading this one. Um, hey, the, maybe you will pull a Dan Lewis and you'll go learn you know how to make toys. Who's Dan Lewis? Oh, I, that's Daniel Day. I, oh, Daniel Day. <laughs> I just call him Dan Lewis. <laughs> Danny Lou. Yeah. Danielle. I know him like that. Uh, short short answer is uh, the the toy industry is in a in a real shit place right now, and it's not it's not a smart industry to break into. But I don't know. Maybe someday. Uh, maybe someday. Maybe, got, maybe someday. You know, yeah. Dan Lewis. He he was making shoes in Italy. You've got a whole bit a about like those pens that like have topless ladies. On that them? that is not a bit I did on stage. That was the woman interviewing me. Asked me about things I do with my friends after school, and that's where you went. There was a store I near love my how school. You're acting like you are the wrong party. <laughs> there was a store near my school, a store that was near my middle school that had pens with topless ladies on them, and I go there for fun. Uh huh. I had very limited outlets. Is the it internet. the kind of pen where you turn it upside down and her yeah. top pops yes, off? Yes, of course it was. So I could look at upside down boobs. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I never thought about that. You couldn't look at it like it wasn't the other way. You had to turn it upside down. I think it was you turned it right side up. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I remember being very embarrassed when she asked me that question and she dragged it out of me. And then I thought I thought it was going to slander my good name. 
I thought no one was going to be able to make eye contact with me once they knew I like naked lady pants. Looks like I'm not, I'm not joking. The only peeper. I was like, my fucking parents are going to be so embarrassed when they hear that I like naked lady pants. <laughs> no, like really, 12. guys, though, we got to stop. We got to do right. something. We're done. Okay. Uh, ladies and jelly, jelly beans, uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. Yep. Uh, 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 tune in. I'll be more awake next time. I'm really beaten. Yeah, down. I slept I'm really a, jet lagged. an you're, hour you're, and a half. You're, 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 you're jet lagged. Uh, we'll we'll both we'll both be great next week. Click 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 click. We'll be like Adam Sandler clicking away. Yep. Um, Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh right, and the Beyond is time travel. <laughs> <laughs> An Oscar nominated film. Uh, yeah, Karen. a screenplay, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, I wrote it. I came up with that Bed Bath and Beyond bit. Are we losing our minds? <laughs> yep. Elizabethtown didn't help. You got to admit, we're both like kind of discombobulated for different reasons. Yeah. And then we were made to watch Elizabethtown. Yeah, I had to pause the movie a lot because I couldn't stop crying. I went to sleep. I watched the movie. I watched 20 minutes and fell immediately asleep because the movie was so fucking dire. I couldn't fall asleep. I was. I slept literally an hour and a half last night. Anyway. As always. Right? Yes. And as always, and that's as, how we end this podcast, usually. Right. Yes, I know. Right. So, and as always. This podcast is called Blank Check with Gertrude. <laughs> <laughs> and as always. What? I don't like naked lady pants. I just, I don't. <laughs> no, they're bad. I use them to write. I don't like them. Okay, are you ready, Ben? Uh, Yeah, I'm rolling. Oh, great. Great. The second we start rolling. He op- he gets his bagel out. Okay, ready? Let's go back Thursday. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 